You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pits. I'm Andrew. I'm Jen. And this is our podcast. Season three, new band, Mm. Talking Ace. Yeah, from the Great White North. That's right. Is great the Great White North? Is that is that Canada or is that? I think so. But, no, <laughs> I don't we'll know. Take it. We'll take it. Minnesota. They're from they're from Minnesota. I guess they're technically. I think they're from Hopkins. Well, Hopkins, I, Minnesota. I said that on a recent episode. I believe Plymouth is the actual answer. I'm gonna go okay. with Plymouth. Well, they also said write to us, and they have the a P.O. box in Hopkins, Minnesota. In Hopkins. Um, well, that's where I got that then. Either way, 101 going through those places. <laughs> so Till we die. That's right. Uh, so we had a week off. Uh, John, you went to fulfill a long-standing journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you want to you sh- share went, a little bit? I went to Cashville. Mm-hmm. Uh Music City, USA. Yes. Um, I went to the outside of Rockettown. Uh, our buddy, friend of the pod, Michael W. Smith's <laughs> All Ages Club. Uh, did not go outside, but I did do a squat and pray post uh, outside of it. So that was what counts. Um, no, it, it was a great time. I went to the Johnny Cash Museum, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Got to hear cool music uh, from the outside of buildings, which was good. <laughs> and, you know, I almost saw our buddy Bobby G. Uh, yes. We didn't end up crossing paths. Uh, but what I told him, and I told Nikki P., and I feel like we might even have some other uh, Nashville folks out there, is that you and I will return and we'll do it properly. We'll actually go to Rocket Town. We'll hit up all the Nashville places. But one thing I did do was go to Living Waters Brewing. And I picked mm. up a weird beer. Mm. Drink it right now. Ooh, let's hear um, it. What is it? It is an imperial milk stout roasted on cinnamon, cocoa nibs, and vanilla. Ten point one percent. Oh man! <laughs> so here John we go. Getting, John getting wasty schwasty again. That's right. Um, but I had a great trip, and I hope uh, I can return with you at some point in life. Oh man, I. I we gotta get we gotta take our our Magpod journey to yeah man Cashville and from there it's only a few hours to Asheville North mm. Carolina where mm. our podcast network Rock Candy resides along with Matt Langston yes uh, hang out with him hit up that Moog keyboard factory we're gonna we're gonna do a Magpod tour of the Southeast or something <laughs> one hundred one forever that's right <laughs> never stops uh, um, I am I am doing. 
the opposite of a 10.1. I'm <laughs> I have a Topo Chico. Yeah, just, Topo Cheeks. That cheeks. Uh just just straight mineral water. Yes. I I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on the booze these days. Yeah. Um just trying to be whoa. Oh, strong. this beer is extra weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like cinnamon toast crunch in beer form. Really? Is it the the cinnamon? Is that very strong? cinnamony forward? Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see how it goes down the hatch. <laughs> I mean, I would I would assume. So, like, is it with like the like all the grains and the malts and and all the all that stuff? Is that roasted with the cinnamon and vanilla and stuff? I mean, because it sounds it says rested on cinnamon, cocoa nibs, and vanilla. So I don't know what that means, but. Oh, yeah. A lot of cinnamon in there somehow. Um, yes. So you're you're laying off the booze. You're having a mineral water. Laying off the booze. Yeah. Just uh, trying to be trying to be healthy. Trying to take care of my my anxiety. And all that. Oh yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> glug glug glug. <laughs> and um, you know these these last couple weeks have been have been a little rough for your boy. The yeah, end man. of the end of the the last section was was tough for me for anybody who maybe saw a little post i did for our uh our magpod socials just sort of talking about religious trauma just kind of working through some of that the the last month or so kind of diving into some of this stuff has has really uns you know unsettled me in some Mm -hmm. ways some conversations i haven't had and some theologies and other stuff I haven't wrestled with in in, in many years, and so, right, uh, it it just having you being on that vacation was actually good timing for me mm, because good. I I needed that emotional break, yeah. as well. Yeah, I feeling refreshed. Uh, we moved on to a new band who has uh, some problematic elements that we'll touch on later today, but for the most part is a completely different vibe than Dogwood. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting that vaccine number one tomorrow as we're recording, baby. So uh, and I'm, I'm getting that, good. I'm getting that vaccine number one next week, buddy. Hell yeah, bro! Gonna be vaccinated, bro. Get those juices. Get those J and J juice. <laughs> mealy, mealy, mealy. Oh, you're getting the J and J. I don't know if I'm getting the J and J. Actually, okay. I was just I'm trying getting... to go, just go with that alliteration. <laughs> I'm getting Pfizer, so there will be a part two. But um, anyway, uh, I I can't remember somebody. Somebody referred to it as the uh, the Fauci ouchie. Yes, I have heard that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. It's our new band, also. Yeah, actually, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Mary Alice. Uh, um, I hate Five Iron. Ah, and, yes. Uh, but anyway, it's feeling Things good. Up. Things are looking up. Uh, still wear your masks. Yes. Uh, stop being dumb. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, we have, John, we just have like so much to cover because <laughs> voicemails and true. and other stuff that has just been kind of flowing in. Right, right. Since we've been off for this week and some voicemails we didn't get to on the previous episode. Right. So I want to say one quick thing too, which is yeah. welcoming our buddy Reese Roper to the Rock Ooh. Candy Podcast Network. Uh, I don't know if folks have heard, but he and Joe Yerke from The Insiders have a new podcast called The Pickle and Boot Shop. Um, find them right here on uh, Rock Candy Network. So check that out. 
shout out our boys gotta i don't know maybe we've got to get that that podcast uh yeah you know crossover episode. crossover going we'll see i don't know we haven't we haven't had reese on the podcast before it's <laughs> true yeah <laughs> he's gotten good practice for having his own by being on ours so often <laughs> accurate um so okay let's let's talk about danny leary for a second <laughs> all right so danny leary left us a voicemail about some takes we had on dogwood uh-huh. and you know, I'll just let I'll let Danny Leary speak for himself. Hey, it's Dan Leary. So I'm excited because I feel like I almost never get the opportunity to call up and shit on John's takes. I feel like I'm always calling up to jokingly rag on Andrew, but now I get to now I take umbrage with something John said. So you mentioned like, and I get it. Use a criticism all subjective i understand and like you've had lots of takes you guys as a podcast have had lots of takes and like you know tore apart basically tore apart the slick shoes discography where i never saw anything wrong with it right just let's just first off we did not tear apart i think we came away pretty positive on slick shoes overall Yeah. yeah we did i think i mean if you if you look at um maybe the the lukewarm parts that we discussed you know like wake up screaming we were both sort of like eh, it's fine and mm-hmm. the middle albums were like these are not our favorites but right. like i feel like we you know loved rusty and far mm-hmm. from nowhere and the new and the new album and yep. and some of the criticisms that we had were you know superficial in some ways we weren't saying that like it's all trash and garbage like <laughs> what, i don't know what he's talking about this is a uh, this is fake news daily larry it's all subjective i understand but like the, the the thing i've taken the most umbrage with is john saying that like you wanted you want more harmonies on these dogwood songs and i'm thinking like i'm just like fuck that no like this is dogwood <laughs> To me, like you do, and then you reference all the other bands, like oh, the Rancid and MXPX, they all have these harmonies. I'm like, yeah, those bands have these harmonies, but Dogwood doesn't need them, and I'm glad they don't have them. And I would never want that because I loved Dogwood when I discovered them, probably like '99 or something like that. Because when I first got into punk, when pop punk was still like a dirty word. I was always chasing the idea of like melodic hardcore. So to me, Dogwood, and it's kind of a somewhat dead genre name nowadays. Like people don't talk about melodic hardcore. They don't use that label anymore. People just call things pop punk all the time. But I love Dogwood because it was all about the melody in the instrumentation. And then the vocals were really just like this like thing that are just kind of there, like another instrument but they just kind of like drone over the top. And like, if you want the four tops or the four seasons or whatever the fuck they're called, then like you said, you get <laughs> Rancid, you got MXPX, you can have split shoes or whatever, but this is the sound of Dogwood. Just, so to me, like that's not something that needs to be like reconfigured. And um, another band that I thought of 
as melodic hardcore for the first like portion of my getting into punk music was the Descendants because the mm-hmm. Descendants did not ever have those kind of harms. Did I say mel- mel- what am I saying? Harmonies. I meant harmonies. The thing is, I'm not a music critic. I don't really understand music. I just- okay, so Danny goes on to leave several more voicemails <laughs> about this, um, making these claims that melodic hardcore is separate from pop punk and therefore if you want harmonies you need to go elsewhere um which is just a patently false idea on the face of it because like melodic hardcore is not just the instrumentation it's just it is not descendants have harmonies bad religion another famous pioneering melodic hardcore band Lot of harmonies. Rich with harmonies. Lag wagon. No use for a name. These are all like melodic hardcore fast. I mean, it's like skate punk and melodic hardcore kind of like go hand in hand. A lot of these bands out of California, that was kind of their thing. So yeah. I mean the the us asking for that or saying this would be great with that is not out of the historical it's not a, an ahistorical concept that melodic hardcore has harmonies. Right. Yeah. I mean, I see his point if overall it's like, you know, one thing in criticism that they do teach you is like, don't just say, I wish this thing were this, like deal with the thing on its own terms. So like, I understand dogwood is dogwood. And I think we even compared, we made the the Descendants comp at some point because it's kind of similar in terms of vocal delivery. Um, but I mean, I would say, A, we addressed this last week a little, or last time, that by Matt Aragon and Seismic, they were doing a lot more harmonies. And right. I thought it sounded great. And B, like, I don't have a problem if you don't do harmonies if this is just the dogwood sound. My problem is usually <laughs> how bad his voice sounds uh, <laughs> on certain records. Uh, he can just be a little pitchy, a little one note, and it's fine. I get the vibe. I think when it works, it works well. But I think having some harmonies to offset that sound sometimes helps him out. So Yeah, and when Sean comes in, you're just like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It, yeah. it works. Rounds it out, makes it feel a little bit fuller. Yeah. Uh, and and you're right. When there are different forms that his, that his voice takes and it's not always consistent and that's just sort of like it is what it is um and it's a very generous take from you john considering he called in specifically to shit on you yeah i mean i yes josh has a very distinct voice i think that really works in his favor when it works well and sometimes it doesn't but i i like his uniqueness as a vocalist right um well, let's go from from one Leary to another. <laughs> um, I don't know if actually Jess is, uh, if she has the last name, but uh, Danny's wife. Hey, guys, this is Jess, wife of Danny Scott Leary. Oh, too many Dannys. Dan said uh, that last week you guys talked about Do or Die by Dogwood. So a few years ago, we went to a Five Iron MXTX show in Ventura. The Dogwood was opening. And like most 
bands that Dan dragged me to see. I had never heard of them. And so when Do or Die kicked in, I was like, whoa, oh, wow, this is, like, really, really aggressive. Like, the heavy-handed lyrics are so off-putting. They made the super tones look tame in comparison. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the rest of the show was great. I always enjoy Five Iron Live because they play faster. Uh, Anyways, thanks. Have a great show. (laughs) Thanks, Jess. That is an accurate assessment. Um, yes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's basically what we said when we heard that song, too. Yeah. Heavy-handed, um, aggressive, uh, <laughs> accurate. Yes. Those two partners in in marriage and in podcasting. So thanks for uh, both of your contributions this week. Yes. Uh, hey, why don't we go to uh, why don't we go some to some Meg? Ooh. Okay. It's been months since I've left a voicemail to you guys, and I keep stalling because I'm embarrassed about how behind I am on episodes. Um, But here, after finishing the last Dogwood episode, I know you guys are taking a break, but I just had to call because I am very fired up right now. Um, Okay, so first um, off, Building a Better Me and Matt Aragon are actually the two Dogwood albums that I'm most familiar with because they're the ones that my little brother um, played over and over again when I was in high school and like 90% of my listening was Byron Frenzy and random other ska bands and Reliant K, I think, which I have zero regrets about. But um, I just remember it was funny because my brother would put these Dogwood CDs on and like on his boombox and skate around the p- patio. And I remember saying to him, like, how do you like this? You can't even understand what they're saying, which is hilarious because like a few years later, I would be saying that to other people, um, what he said to me, well, you know what they're saying once you read the lyrics. So kind of funny there. But um, I just thought that, that was a funny anecdote. Grant was like in 11. He was like 11 years old. Um, so I knew when you guys got to my Aragon, Andrew would have a hard time with Do or Die, um, especially some of the songs in general. But I did not know that you guys would dive into that so deeply. And I'm so glad that you did. Not just because it is such a touchy and problematic view of atonement theory, but also because it's just what's so accepted and taught in so many Christian circles without people even realizing how narrow-minded it is and lacking nuance it is. So let me say, as a Bible nerd already who is currently in seminary right now, and that's why I'm so behind the listening to you guys half the time, is um, I I just got so excited listening to your dad, Andrew, and he (laughs) rules. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> at one point, I was honestly in tears just listening to him unpack all this oh, stuff. Like, man. the view of atonement that he was referring to, how people take a little bit of poetic language in scripture and create a whole theology on it while ignoring huge chunks of other parts of the Bible that are actually more cohesive to the whole gospel. It's so damaging. And that's literally what the fundamentalist camp um, that I came from, the college that I went to, actually taught. And he he just explained it so thoroughly. Um, I'm actually thinking about playing part of Magnified Pod to my high school students to explain different views on atonement. But yeah, yeah. it was that good, and I'm that excited about it. Finally, before I run out of time, let me just say my favorite Dogwood song actually isn't on any of the albums you guys covered on the regular pod, but is actually on the album John Ray Last, which was that this is not a new album. But that's <laughs> understandable because it's not really a new album. The the song um, Flowers Soon Die. I don't know. Maybe you guys think it's kind of a bummer song because it's about the short span of life and eternity and things like that. But I still think the song rules anyway. Um, okay. I am running out of time. Uh, Mag for life. Bye. Thank you, Meg. Thanks, Meg. That, yeah, get, this is, this is how you do a voicemail. Yes. Put it in a lot. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's, so there's, there's a lot in there. Uh, yes. The assessment that I would have a hard time with, 
that record was accurate. Um, and we have been getting a lot of good feedback about my about Jay's theology corner. Yes, you're correct, Meg. That that he rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad is is the best. Uh, so we will definitely have have him back to talk about other uh, complex theology concepts. Mm. But you know, we'll we'll get there. When Jay's we, theology corner will return. It will. Um, I don't remember. Did she say redefine defiance was her favorite? I think that's what she said. I don't particularly remember our reaction. I think we were like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I owe it a re-listen, but I don't remember it being one that moved the needle very much for me or for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really remember either. Um, let's get some Bobby G in here. Mm. Hey, it's your boy Bobby G. It's uh, March 21st. It's a Sunday, which means you're taping today, so I hope I got the episode, but you never know. Uh, it was MXPX box set time, and mm. I'm so, so stoked that I was able to score one. Uh, big shout-out to Unoriginal Vinyl uh, for helping make that come true. That's such an amazing thing. I actually went back. I was talking in the uh, MagPod Discord about going back and listening to uh, some of the early episodes to celebrate and uh, hear your little baby voices in the first uh, <laughs> episode or two of MacPot. It's really amazing. Uh, congratulations on how far you've come. I actually feel like MagPod maybe is partially responsible for uh, the fact that the box set sold out in like an hour. So congratulations mm. to you guys. I hope MXPX can hook you up with the free box set or something cool ah. like that. I don't ah. know. <laughs> um, yeah, been really enjoying season three. I didn't really know any of these artists before getting into it, but it's been a, a pretty cool trip. And uh, MagPod for life. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby G. So the most important thing you said there is... Uh, the work that Jason and the team at Unoriginal Vinyl, um, uh, Bruno, I believe, yes, is his name, also works for Unoriginal Vinyl. Other people like John Nissen and Jared Scott, mm -hmm. uh, who worked to help make this come true. Uh, Jason has been working to get a lot of the rights and everything straightened out. For years this, since like 2014 i think yeah. he's been working on this yeah um and without with you're absolutely right without what he has done and what he did this would not have come to pass uh, <laughs> air horns for an original whale. air horns all day every day we uh we have so much to we have so much we have to thank Jason so much for this. And I'm excited to to get one. Uh, I have to laugh now until the end of time at the idea that we would ever get anything free from, from MXPX. Uh, Tom C. would rather probably kick me in the dick for... Yeah. Uh, than, than see me end up with anything as much as like an MXPX button for free. Oh man, true enough. Fortunately, we've gotten swag from other bands along the way. <laughs> yes, we uh, we have gotten some 
some swag for you know the <laughs> you know it's it's nice like we we we're just we're not trying to be assholes to anybody we're just trying to like you know show trying to be an asshole to tom c a little bit (laughs) i'm absolutely (laughs) trying to be an asshole to tom c uh um but anyway so (laughs) yes bobby g we have changed quite a bit since since those early seasons it's funny when i go back and listen to season one how subdued yeah (laughs) that we sound and i think part of it might be because like i'm in your basement and your kids are sleeping upstairs because <laughs> there have been times when when we would get louder and 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 Jenny would text you and, and she'd like tell us to stop singing <laughs> which you know fair enough fair fair enough yeah. uh but I will I will take I'll take the blame for that <laughs> uh how about how about your boy Brian hmm. hey what's up dudes uh this is Brian again uh, I realized last week when I called, I forgot to uh, put my vote in for your water battle. Um, so I just want to do a write-in vote for Belvia by uh, all the equivalent of LaCroix. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, of the grapefruit flavor. So I don't know if there's any other Belvia uh, listeners out there in Magpod Nation, but mm. figured I'd uh, put a vote in for them. Uh, Andrew, I actually did meet you at the uh, MXPX Five Iron Show in 2019. Um, okay. Good friends with John. Uh, had been listening to the pod some, so it was, it was good to meet you. We didn't chat too much, um, but uh, I was probably like arm's length away from you for no fewer than 13 uh, new tattoo reveals. I think you had gotten the uh, Pocanaka punk uh, emblem uh, tattooed uh, between the two shows. And Correct. So um, hope that ink is still uh, still shining bright. It's a, it's a pretty sweet tat. And um, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, as I've listened to the pod over the past couple of years, I realized I might have more in common with you in terms of, you know, kind of youth and upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, so actually, sadly, uh, did a little bit of research on LinkedIn to try and figure out when you might have been in high school or, or when you went to college. Um, but I actually went to uh, Chick, which was the kind of like, yes. I don't know, triennial uh-huh. Uh, youth convention for, for high school students in the, the Evangelical Covenant Church yes. uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado in 1997. Okay. I think you might have been in junior high then. Uh, yes. So for those unfamiliar with this, I, this what's called Chick. So Chick, C-H-I-C, Covenant High in Christ. We've talked about it, on the pod how dumb of a title that is before. It's very, very dumb. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, the... That was the last chick that took place in Colorado. It the next all the chicks going forward from Chick two thousand on was in uh, was in Tennessee. I think it was at the University of Tennessee. Maybe it yeah, was in, in that Knox- right. Is it Knoxville? I can't remember. That's yeah. I think Knoxville. I didn't Reliant K play one year. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't. I don't remember what year. I don't remember seeing Reliant K there. Um, I think it was after our time. Uh, I think Family Force Five played. Cool. Um, lost and found, but yeah. So it was this. It was this youth conference. So he went. So Brian went the the year before my first year, my first time going. And let's see. Let's hear what he has to say about Chick. Um, so I'm guessing we didn't cross paths there, but uh, Five Iron Friends. They actually played a show uh, there. I had uh, only heard of them leading up to that conference um so i bought their their album upbeats and beatdowns 
And uh, it was an epic show. Uh, it was probably like 150 people. Um, like I said, they were pretty relatively unknown at the time. Um, but lots of rain, mud, people sloshing around in the pit, and uh, it was a great time. Oh, uh, on to Dogwood, uh, so glad to hear you guys are in agreement on More Than Conquerors being uh, perhaps a superior album to Building a Better Me. I know a lot of Dogwood fans wouldn't agree with you, but um, – I'm right there with you. Uh, I just think it's a better album, top to bottom. And on that note, I know you're moving on from Dogwood, uh, but I figured I'd submit a new uh, intro for the pod. So here we go. Suffer, because this would be your fault. I know it's just another pod, another pod, another pod, another pod, another pod, another pod, another pod. Another an additional another pod in there. So forgive me for that, but. Um, yeah, my pod for life. Uh, looking forward to the rest of the, the season here. Take care. Oh, oh man. Thanks, brilliant. Buddy. Brilliant. Perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry we couldn't use that as an actual intro. It was pretty oh, good. No, we're going we're gonna to go back and start over. Oh, uh, yeah. Another man. pod. <laughs> another pod. Um, I forgot that Fiverr and played Chick, but yeah, now I'm, now I'm remembering that. Yeah, my brother uh, went... I'm pretty sure my brother went to uh, Chick 97. So, right on. I'll have to ask him if he remembers seeing Five Iron there, because that yeah. would have. I don't remember him ever mentioning that, but hmm. we'll we'll have to see. Let's uh, get a little uh, Eli from Phoenix. What's up, Andrew and John? This is Eli from Phoenix, and I was calling to uh, tell you. Um, something that I had read recently that I thought you guys might enjoy since you guys are obsessed with uh, Starburst. But I was looking for creative ways to cook food in the backyard over our fire pit besides, you know, the typical hot dogs and s'mores. And one of the things that I read was you can cook Starburst basically over a campfire. So you put it on your stick and you heat it up until the outside is kind of gooey and a little, it gets a little warm. And then, wow. you know, once it kind of cools off and you eat it, it's uh, really good. My kids love it, and so I figured uh, it'd be fun for you guys to give that a try. And uh, Mac popular life. <laughs> I am yeah, man. absolutely <laughs> going to try this. Yeah, man. That sounds great. 100%. Yeah, for sure. I, I have uh, I have like these uh, like, like marshmallow uh, sticks that like they're like retractable. Oh, yeah. We have those too. And so I'm going to definitely throw down on some, some of those next time I do a fire pit in my backyard. Yeah, man. I'm looking at some Google images and it looks like people use them in like between graham crackers. So like Starburst s'mores. Um, so I'm getting, I'm going to get in on that. That oh, sounds great. When, yeah. I, I mean, if we, what if you, what if you did like, like you cut a little hole inside a marshmallow and you uh, stuffed a Starburst ooh. in it. Now you're and then innovating. You like, and then you heat it up, and then you have like a gooey Starburst center inside your marshmallow. Hell yeah. Game changer. Game changer. Thank Game you, Eli. Changer. Thank you for calling just <laughs> with Starburst tips. People feel free to <laughs> yeah, send this, those in. This is like the, the Butterball hotline, except for, <laughs> for Starburst. Starburst. And Water Wars, uh, which, Brian, I don't know what Belvia is. Maybe I'll have to hit up Aldi and check that out. But um, no, I've, I've, had a, I've had it. Uh, okay. Uh, our boy Beard, I'm pretty sure he... He gets he gets some of the those. How's it stack up? 
Uh, I think I've had, what have I, I think I've had, they, I think they have a cherry Ooh, one. Okay. I think it's cherry, maybe like a black cherry or something. Uh, they have grapefruit. I seem to remember liking them fine. Okay. I did see that, uh, was it Polar that Sawyer was calling in about? Mm. I think that's right, um, at, at Jewel. So I know it's out there. We got to try some more. But, you but know, first up, I'm, I'm cooking up some Starburst. 100%. But I had recently Bubbly. Uh, yeah, have Bubbly's you, have pretty you, good. They have uh, Mango. It is outstanding. Ooh. I don't think I've had that one. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, everybody, if you are a Mango fan, this tastes it's probably the best of the mango flavored uh, sparkling waters I've ever had. Mango fied pod. There we go. <laughs> if they want to sponsor us. I'm here for it. Yeah. We, we've, we've been trying to put out some of those sponsor feelers. Yeah. Got get nothing. This is bullshit. Nothing. Yeah, man. Uh, come on, bubbly. Come on. Let's, 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 yeah, let's get some, let's get some, some cases of water over here. We'll, yes, we'll, we'll hawk your, we'll hawk your water over here. Yeah. Um, let's go to, uh, Christoph Cole calling in from Belgium. Hi, John and Andrew. It's Christoph from Belgium. Um, not a native English speaker, but I'll do my best. Uh, but I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, everything, everything okay over there? Thanks, <laughs> good. I think everything <laughs> sounded like, uh, somebody like, fell through a plate glass window or something <laughs> hope everything's all right concerning your dogwood episodes mm. uh, first of all i want to thank um, andrew for being so brave and bringing all those traumas and all those uh yeah really hard and deep things to the show even his father um, i have a lot of thinking about that um, i'm also raised christian and still a christian um, my image of Jesus and how God is and how we must live changed a little, not that much. Um, and Dogwood has been uh, a strong base to me of how I look at my belief and of Christianity. And some of the songs of Dogwood really were, yeah, I don't know, were a part of my belief dna and now when i heard you talking about it i needed to think yeah maybe maybe it's a bit naive maybe it's a bit hard and judgmental so i have to do a lot of thinking now you, you uh, something came and started moving in my head um, then i want to talk about something uh, even more that was even more part of me that's live on the plate of melancholin that's mm. actually one of my top albums ever where i relate most with and i never thought of making a comparison between dogwood and that album uh, the true thing and ten album which is actually also my favorite dogwood album because it's how I learned to know them. And I know it's not perfect. And you were right. The songs are too long. They had <laughs> way too much intros. And, but still, uh, but I never thought about um, that there is a similarity between Life on a Plate and Dogwood Through Thick and Thin. But I made a playlist and I started with 
all songs of both albums, and then I started losing them, the ones that didn't fit right in that album. And then I was left with all the fastest songs. So the fastest songs of the Melancholy Life on the Plate and the fastest songs of uh, the real skate punk songs of Dogwood, those have more comparisons than I, than I thought. I really heard the same drive in the drums and the rest that follows. But yeah, and then I started thinking maybe Dogwood should have asked the guys of Melancholy to just, yeah, to just take a look at it and make it made it somewhat better because yeah melancholy and live on the plate is so much yeah it, it's my number one album almost so uh but the the uh slower songs don't look like each other at all because melancholy and their old uh albums have more um the, the ska and uh, mm. yeah, some funny pop punk in it. While when Dogwood goes slower, they go even more serious and even more, yeah. a little bit more. The what uh, J John said a few times, uh, they really go to the '90s hard rock vibe more. Right. So that's uh, really different. And if you guys ever consider doing the albums of Melancholy, I really should. I really encourage that because I never f find uh, a good album, a good um, podcast about uh, melancholy. So uh, don't, uh, yeah, don't hesitate if you want to do that. <laughs> but I see that you just want to keep focusing on the more two ten nail bands. So that's also okay for me. Um, then, uh, yeah, th there is one important similarity between. Dogwood and Melancholy, because I've heard a few interviews with both of the bands, and they both wanted, when they started, they wanted to make music for um, skate videos. And at Dogwood, it was more they wanted to be featured on snowboard videos, and Melancholy, it was on skate videos, but it's almost the same. So that's where they, yeah, that's another thing they have in common, and maybe that's why. Mostly the first CDs of them are sound really like the Californian skate punk sound. Yeah, and then I wanted to share another funny thing that's uh, this weekend I've put it a uh, real dogwood in my garden. That's uh, some kind <laughs> of a tree nice. plant. I don't know how you call it. Um, so that were all my stories. Uh, thank you for your podcast and keep on doing the good work. Bye. Thanks, Christoph. I really appreciate that. And yeah, and man. for somebody whose native language is not English, you sound great. You sounded perfect. So, um, and I I feel like I have talked before on the podcast that Life on a Plate was my introduction to Mill yeah. and Colin, and and other people were like, and I and I talked about how much I love that album, and other people were like, wait like penny bridge pioneers that that seems like to be like the yeah the like most iconic most well-known um but yeah the first time i heard life on a plate i think it was probably on some like comp of some sort like an epitaph comp of some kind or whatever but yeah, yeah swedish swedish punk rock dudes hell yeah i I loved Life on a Plate. I had, I think I had that for Monkeys and then Penny Bridge Pioneers. And, you know, 
to your point, Christoph, I don't think they qual they fall quite within our parameters for this show, but I love Mill and Colin. It would be fun to talk about them. Maybe we can do a Patreon on them or something at some point because yeah. they would they would be fun to go through. Yeah, you know, we what we what we might need to do is because we still need to do our Tony Hawk Patreon yes. episode. So maybe we can like kind of lump those yeah, that'd be cool. Together, talk about some Mill and Colin on a on a Patreon episode and talk about the some of the early Tony Hawk uh soundtracks and stuff. But yeah. Um but yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um I also want to shout out so uh we got an email um from Evan Stanick. Stanick? Not sure. sure the pronunciation, but he said uh, he sent us an email saying he loves the pod, our takes on the music and the inside jokes, the community conversation. Uh, I used to work at a Christian rock station during the late '90s, early 2000s heyday. Um, so he's here for it. Uh, that I don't. I, I feel like that that could, despite like maybe there being some cringy. Uh, you know, contemporary Christian stuff that you might have to play. I like the idea of like, that'd be kind of cool to work at a, like a, a Christian rock station during the nineties. That'd be, yeah. especially if you had some, like, if you had some control over what you played. Right. That would have been pretty rad. I would have been here for yeah. that. The idea of any Christian station now being something <laughs> other than CCM. Yeah. Or maybe gospel, I guess. Although that feels like a different vibe. Like, seems very different now so yeah right like the fish or whatever that right 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 like you know, family friendly family positive f- songs or whatever yeah it's which means family friendly positive means you know steam Curtis songs yeah Curtis songs uh but he said uh, on the season steam i thought he, i mentioned smiley kids they're probably the most skatery from that era and they were uh great label and tour mate friends with five iron uh their album don't get bored with it has swaths of scratchy literal skate songs and plenty of Christian conviction for you guys to sink into as well. Uh, not sure what they're up to these days, but maybe five iron guys are still in touch with them. Mad mag pod for life. Much love Evan. Thanks. Man. Uh, we have, I feel like I did have the smiley kids sort of tentatively on our list. Yeah. Um, I know that the they, list. I know that they, they had some, definitely some ska, uh, right elements to them as well so but they yeah. i think i'm pretty sure like one of their album covers has like a dude like on a skateboard <laughs> so. yes uh, yeah multiple five iron members have recommended to us that we cover them this season so they yeah. are on the long list that we're adding bands to we'll get to yeah. them at some point I, I could be wrong about this but i feel like they only have like one album that's like accessible uh, yeah, there's it's like a compilation record too okay right so it's yeah. the only record I have seen from them. Yeah. I don't know what they're up to now. I, I do believe that at least some of the five iron folks are, are in touch with them, but uh, yeah, we will, we will likely get to them at some point. Yep. Um, we have an email from Gabriel Sheely. He says, hi guys. I know you like punk music. So I thought I'd share this link to an album by a little known punk band from Iowa or Nebraska, I can't remember. The lead singer <laughs> is a guy named Eric Goodall. Uh, and it's a decent punk album, not super clean sound, but it reminds me a little bit of Slick Shoes. Check out the song titled, I Will Never Leave You or Forsake You. Okay. So 
Um, he what didn't, is the band called? Yeah, that was the thing. He didn't <laughs> he didn't list name the band. Uh, okay. Was, uh, Born yesterday. Okay, I feel like somebody else talked about them possibly. So uh, here, let's take a little listen to "I Will Never Leave or Forsake You." your eyes upon these scars of mine won't you look deep inside my eyes that's when I saw you in your brokenness and you were the only one on my mind but what was enough for you Definitely, definitely in the in, in, as far as slick shoes go, would maybe fall into the later <laughs> if we're yeah. going to compare them to slick shoes. There's some metally, metally riffs there. Shreddy, metally, uh, heavy. The bass is very yeah, very deep. Into it. That's pretty. That's pretty. It's pretty dope. That starts off with that acoustic, and you're like, oh man, what's gonna what's gonna happen? <laughs> Is this going to be super heavy? Oh, yes, it's super heavy. Yeah, I don't know. I can't find anything about them. So maybe they're from Iowa. Maybe they're from Nebraska. <laughs> but right now, born yesterday, I, I was digging that. Maybe we'll uh, dive <laughs> yeah. into them deeper. <laughs> check check out a little bit more of them. Yeah, thanks, Gabriel. Uh, should we listen to a little um, Danny Stairs? He's leaving voice memos now. He is leaving voice memos. Uh, we got some. We got some Danny Stairs... Some thoughts on some thoughtful thoughts on Jay's theology corner. Hey, what's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs here. Um, just finished up Jay's theology corner. Uh, I want to say I really enjoyed the inaugural edition of that. Um, it was interesting to hear and and to hear him kind of approach things that I've never heard actually approached. You know, from someone who actually knew what they were talking about. <laughs> um, I've never been taught a theology that 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 approached it that way. Um, so it was refreshing to hear because it kind of affirms a lot of my own views on what I think, who I think God is, and what I really think that relationship is supposed to look like. So, so it was nice to hear. Um, and it's funny to think about, you know, some of these worship songs really act like God is this perfect God and, and you know, he's loving God. But then the theology you're going to get at the after that, you know, in the message is going to be, this, you know, this abusive parent who do what I say or you're going to burn in hell and, and all these things. So um, it just, you know, while I was listening to that, I kind of thought about that and the different ways we're sold um, God and, you know, just the, you know, all, all, all the different things we're told. And then as, you know, youth group kids and even young children, you know, you're not taught how to parse these things 
and think for yourself. You're never even given that option. Um, and so, you know, so many of us were broken by it, and some of us have been fortunate enough that we were able to move on and, and, and grow up and, and start to think for ourselves and, and start to question and, um, and, and all these things. But it, it makes me wonder, with a lot of people who are ex-evangelical and, and haven't, you know, have have no relationship with God, or um, some of them are, are just still so angry at God, you know. Um, what if we would have shown them, you know, this other picture, this other side? Um, what if Christianity had, you know, taken the softer approach um, of love and acceptance and grace uh, that are just kind of downplayed in, in so many instances? Where would we be? Where would those people be? Even if they didn't, you know, even if they still drifted away from God, um, that'd be fine. But to have them not have been traumatized, not have been, uh, you know, had all the shame and this just gross, ugly feelings that the church left so many people with and continues today um, to, to do. So I uh, really appreciate it having that perspective and, and getting that thought, getting those thoughts flowing. Um, hopefully we can get Jay back on, uh, hear us thoughts on some more subjects as they come up, because I'd imagine there will be some more problematic uh, theology throughout some of these bands that you guys intend to cover this season. So uh, it'll be nice to hear, and I am looking forward to uh, what you guys have coming up. Back out for life. Thanks, Betty. What a novel idea. What if we had approached <laughs> things with love and not yeah. judgment and not traumatizing people? Yeah, it makes me both um, happy that having Jay on to talk uh, was like several people have said a window into um, well-articulated theology that they resonated with that they'd never really heard before, at least from like, you know, somebody who really knows what they're talking about. (laughs) Um, And sad that this is the first time a lot of people are hearing uh, this kind of approach to faith or theology expressed in this way. So, yeah, I feel like it's unanimous. Your dad will return. Yeah, uh, we will. We will have that theology corner uh, opened up again in the future. Yeah, we need to some other areas that we need to uh, open up Jay's theology corner with would certainly be something like eschatology, because he's literally yeah. written a book on it. Um, yes. So. I um one last thing about Danny Stairs and I this is long overdue. Um I need to make it clear that some episode ago I was made some reference to Danny Stairs uh saying something alluding to him making fun of before everything and after or making fun of Dr. Chad and and how uh, she loves before everything after and and i maybe alluded to something of that nature that maybe insinuated that danny didn't like that album but he does and he <laughs> has not letting me forget that i made this claim and i just wanted to make it right let the record show that danny stairs does like the mxpx album before everything and after is he gonna I- I was Recu- wrong. <laughs> Is he going to recuse himself of our legal representation unless he said that tonight? Or, 
he is our lawyer after all. He is he is our lawyer? Yes, our I uh, I have a I have a written statement here that I need to read on behalf of our. <laughs> all right, now so we can continue. We can we can move on now. Um, I feel like we've covered yeah. a lot of good ground here with our. This, this was a great batch. Thank you all for for your thoughtfulness and your silliness. And yeah, keep keep them coming, whether they're voicemails or emails or voice memos. We we love to hear from you guys. Yes. Um, but. From there, John, mm. I do have an important question I need to ask. <laughs> Hit me. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So this section of the season, we're going to be talking about Ace Troubleshooter. Mm. And so I'm going to ask you some questions relating to both of those things okay in a game i'm calling will john ace this quiz or will he have trouble and say shoot i only got er one correct again well done well done among Uh, your finest quiz titles (laughs) if i do say so so are you ready i think so let's do this (laughs) okay first question Hmm. from 1978 to 1997 there was an awards show called the ace awards what did ace stand for was it a association of creative experts b academy of christian evangelists Hmm. c award for cable excellence or d awards for comedic entertainment. Hmm. Uh, the Academy of Christian Evangelists famously kicked me out of their academy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know if that's a real group or not. What I do know is that I remember people referring to the Cable Ace Awards. So I'm going C, Award for Cable Excellence. John. Hell yeah, baby. That is correct. So you might be wondering, 1978 to 1997 that's you know we still have plenty of uh cable you know shows why did this only last for this these 19 years mm-hmm. and it's because for a period of time uh the primetime emmys and other uh tv award shows were not including cable programming as right. the awards so your HBOs, your Showtimes, your Stars, um, and other cable-based programming did not get their did not get their dues. Mm. Um, so, and and I was looking at some of the awards uh, in the late '90s, from '95, '96, '97, seeing like what was going on. Uh, Larry Sanders' show, oh, cle- yeah. cleaning up. Gary Shandling sense. cleaning up during that. During that time, the show uh, rules. I uh, it's, it makes me want to get a uh, an HBO Max or something so I can so I can watch it. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to shout out. I think it was the 1997. I'm looking this up. The 1997 cable. It, the 19th. The 19th one. 
Larry Sanders show cleaning up as usual. But Gary Shandling lost to actor in a comedy series uh-huh. to Kel Mitchell from Keenan and Kel. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. <laughs> Uh, the two titans of cable television. Yep. Uh, Gary Shandling, Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> Rip Torn, yeah. all lost to the titan of comedic television, Kel Mitchell. I like that it was Kel, too, not even Keenan, who at least like has played a significant <laughs> role in TV since then. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting um, tidbit. It would, it would be funny to see what some of these awards were, were like. It's like Red Shoe Diaries cleaning up and like Tales from the Crypt. I mean, what are we what are we talking here? Uh, Sandra O oh won for Arliss. All right, not not as not as good as uh, Larry <laughs> Sanders, but certainly an HBS staple. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. Yes. Moving on. In 1998, Latin hip hop group Funk Dubious <laughs> released an album called The Troubleshooters. With a song called Papi Chulo. The song contains a sample from what swing revival band? Mm. Was it A, the Squirrel Nut Zippers Hell? B, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy Mr. Pinstripe Suit? Was it C, season four of our uh, of our podcast, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies Zoot Suit Riot? <laughs> yes. Uh, or D, Royal Crown Review? Hey, Pachuco. Uh, yes, Cherry Pod and Daddy's coming soon. <laughs> Get your zoot suits out. Um, this well, is an interesting. Just to be clear, we are not doing Cherry Pod and Daddy's. That what? was that is was this how you April... break it to me. I was getting April... my suits pressed and my <laughs> yeah. hair combed tight. Um, can be. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one because it's it's ninety eight. So most of these bands are contemporaneous to Funk Dubious. Uh, I would think. Hell and Mr. Pinstripe Suit and Zoot Suit Riot all came out right around that time or maybe even after in a couple of those cases. Uh, so I'm going to go with Royal Crown Review. Hey, Pachuco! Hey! Which is how it goes. No. Uh, John, it's actually Hell. But isn't they, that like right before that? It came out like 96 maybe came out like 96 it came it was it was it's a curious it's a curious uh case um that they used a song that was like a really popular song too right and it's i listened to the song the sample i mean it doesn't sound great i mean it's there it's they they did the da 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 da. Yeah, I nailed it. So it's it's a it's a solid sample choice. The execution or whether or not Funk Dubious pulls it off is it's up to the listener to decide, I suppose. Well, Pod Dubious coming soon. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's that certainly happens where a sample comes from a song that was. Not that long before that, but you know, hey Pachuco, that's like early '90s. So I just figured it was that. Plus, I know that song mainly from The Mask. Uh, somebody stop me, etc. Uh, etc. <laughs> Cuban Pete <laughs> and the rest. Uh, and the rest. Um, 
do you have the mask on DVD? You know, I had it on VHS, which was a big deal because it was like, I was definitely like, got one of the first copies that hit shelves. I loved the mask for whatever reason. Well, we, at one point, we need to talk about the last blockbuster uh, documentary yes. so we can talk, we can talk about the, that sort of nostalgic time of hitting up the video stores and getting, getting stuff on VHS and sounds good. So anyway, we'll, we'll get there. So question three, the song Ace of Spades by Motorhead was initially issued as a seven inch vinyl single in October of 1980 as a preview to the album and fall tour. The song was also released by bronze records as a 12 inch vinyl pressing in special sleeves. What Mm. picture was on the sleeves? A, the band members flipping off number 10 Downing Street, the residence of the UK prime minister. B, Lemmy getting a real tattoo of an ace of spades just for the photo. Hmm. C, the band members dressed as Santa Claus. Or D, Lemmy drinking a milkshake, a straw <laughs> on one side of his mouth and a cigarette on the other side. The <laughs> badass. Um, boy, I don't know the answer to this, but I know that I've seen a photo of Lemmy getting that tattoo so I'm just gonna say that's that's the answer. B. Oh, heartbreaking. No, I'm. I apologize. Uh, the band members are dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> okay, weird. Uh, I I can't make sense of why that was chosen. Santa for... was the original Ace of Spades. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Lemmy is giving the finger as as he does in the sure. as he's want to do as he's want to do. So here we go. Here's the cover. <laughs> Strange. I've never seen that before. And it, yeah, they're all wearing these uh, giant ass beards, and they're like Santa cloaks. They look like bathrobes. <laughs> and two and uh. Two of the members have their arms crossed. Lemmy looks to be holding a beer and <laughs> giving right. the finger. Um, it's oh, a special edition, special limited Christmas edition. <laughs> I hope there's like a Christmas version that just says like jingle bells on top of it. I don't, I really don't understand cool. why this is a like. I know it came out in the fall, but like I don't understand what about this is Christmas. Right, that's hilarious. I don't know. The Ace of Spades, the Ace of Spades. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> jingle, jingle. All right. Um, okay. One for three. One for three. The term is question four. The term ace has a variety of slang uses. Which of these is not a slang term for ace? Is it A, an asexual person? B, a trusted friend? C, a British term for excellent? Or D, heroin. Boy, the only one I know for sure is British term for excellent. It'll be really ace <laughs> if I knew the other answers. Uh, that was a good accent. I held it, crushing I, it. I, I, I don't know. I. Um, Which one strikes you as? Is are there any that are like jumping out to you as like this doesn't seem right? Well. Asexual person is kind of weird, but I guess like you know, it's kind of like a term of endearment you like take for yourself. So like, I'm an ace. I don't know. It seems weird. 
Um, I'll go heroin. I've never heard that before. D. John, you're right. Yeah, I know my drug lingo, baby. Yeah, I made up. I made that up. Uh, yeah, cool. but ace uh, for asexual people is is like pretty. It's very common. Evidently, it's uh, definitely used in the asexual community. Um, All right. But I the the term ace is as far as British slang. I found some places that some people were commenting on that it's like it might be a little bit more outdated. Like yeah. one person was saying that it's sort of like saying groovy. Like maybe people ace, in like. Baby in 19 or like in the 1970s might say ace but maybe people in 2021 might not be like <laughs> this this is an ace quiz right it is it is <laughs> yes probably <laughs> not all, all cockney people who <laughs> <laughs> it's really i bought a vampire motorcycle and printed on us <laughs> every english person i do is now pinky yeah exactly i'll so. <laughs> be really ace cracker you, you got mited Horribly biting. <laughs> Horribly biting. The ice of spades. <laughs> it's either Pinky from Pinky in the Brain or Lemmy Filmeister. <laughs> Lemmy's probably seen I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. That's true. I mean, he's he should have been the lead guy in that. Oh, my God. That would have been a big improvement. <laughs> I, would, I would have loved to see Lemmy acting with Anthony Daniels. Ugh, a, a comic duo we never got <laughs> that yes, we should have. A tragedy. <laughs> All right, John. So two two for four. Let's see if you can. All right, all right. You got this. Focus. Mm, mm. You've got this. <sighs> Question five. Troubleshooter was a British reality show that aired from 1990 to 1993. Troubleshooter. <laughs> Talking troubleshooter, mate. The premise was <laughs> business leaders. But the premise was business leaders would visit and advise struggling UK businesses. The show was revived in 2004 as reality, as reality TV continued its rise in popularity. However, the name of the show was changed. What was the new show name? Was it A, ICU, Intensive Career Unit? <laughs> B, I'll show them who's boss. C, Labor of Love. Or D, Taking stock. Hmm. Certainly never heard of any of these. Um, I was actually <laughs> kind of surprised that there was a reality show in 1990. Because when yeah. did when did the real world I was going to say, the real world New York was probably like 92, 93. Yeah, this was 92. very yeah. early on then. Yeah. Props, props to the Brits for, you know, getting reality shows out there first. Uh, I wish it was called. I'll show them who's boss. <laughs> Um, I'm also like picturing Lemmy <laughs> as like the host for that. I'm kind of imagining this as like the apprentice, but Lemmy is the Donald Trump, which sounds great. Um, also, Lemmy's boss is not Ace of Spades. Get out of here. This is not, this is this rest, this, this restaurant or this business is not Ace. <laughs> this is not Ace. This, um, this. I mean, this almost sounds like Gordon Ramsay almost ripped off this concept. That's yeah, true. Fair enough. Um, labor of love with a U sounds like something real, so I'll go with that. Let's see, you're going. Labor of love was the name of the renamed show. Yeah. Of Troubleshooter. I don't feel I don't feel confident, but that's what I'm going with. That's because it's wrong. Uh, boo, John. The, the real answer was I'll show them who's. I'll boss. show them who's boss. That is like. 
wonderfully British, <laughs> so I should have just gone with my instinct. I'll show them who's boss with an exclamation point. <laughs> oi, oi, I'll show them who's boss. What's, what's going on here? What's this fucking mess you got over here? Now it's like... It's we're, just... we're mixing uh, <laughs> our stereotypes I, I here. I can't do it. I can't do it. God what's all damn this it. lot then? <laughs> hey, what's this mess? What's, what's Oi, this I'll show them who's boss. <laughs> Sorry, this sucks. <laughs> this is way better than mine. Yeah, well, um, it's two for five. Two that's, for my, five. that's my new normal, so that's fine. I don't know. You, it's you were you were very close. Um, More beer. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, intensive career unit, not my best. Not my that's best. Good. Not my best work, but um, I don't know. I do. Labor of Love, I feel like, is probably is probably the name of some show. Yeah, that's definitely like an English show somewhere. It's just it's, a labor of love. It's a with Lenny. It's, it's a do. It's a like doulas, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like doing Getting something up to hijinks. Yeah, it's call the midwife, except it's a reality show with like, I don't know. Right, people. There were... People that are delivering the babies are in love with the people that they're delivering. I don't know. <laughs> That's a pitch. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Well, all right. Fine. A mediocre effort for me, as per usual. Well, you know what, John? Uh, not every you can't you can't uh, be ace at every quiz. <laughs> That's true. I can't can't ace them all. Um. Well, hey, should we uh, take a little break? Ace, hmm. Take a little break, and then when we come back. I think we should listen to that third Ace yeah. Troubleshooter record. The, their self-titled record came out in 2000. <laughs> when did it come out? Shit. 2000, yeah. 2000. <laughs> yeah, we'll listen to that, uh, that 2000 self-titled record. That's right. What exactly makes Beyonce the Queen Bee? How do we feel about Ariana Grande's use of rap vernacular? And most importantly, what's better, chamomile or spiced chai? We ponder all of this and more on Hot Tea Hot Takes, now a part of the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Our show is just two friends drinking tea and discussing music, culture, politics, and anything else that comes to mind. We cover everything from Mozart to Megan Thee Stallion. New uploads are posted weekly. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye. And we're back. Yes. We're talking uh, Ace Troubleshooter. Ace if you're nasty. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this, I up until recently, John, I was under the false impression that this was their first record. Mm. That is not correct. They had two unreleased, well, not, they were released. <laughs> independently released. independently released records um that we will be covering on the patreon yes uh so if you want to hear us talk about that uh get it get down with the, get down with that patreon business that's right so we have back in the shooting match and mm -hmm. don't stop a rocking that's right um uh we i want to i want to give a shout out to our boy john warren uh, I want to give him the award for 
most improved vocals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, over a relatively short period of time, maybe like three, three years or so, three or four yeah. years. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough, it's tough on back in the shooting match. Indeed. It is it is a rough look, but um, we will get there. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we will cover back in the shooting match, which came in, came out in 96 this week and don't stop rocking, which came out in 99 next week. Um, don't stop rocking, which features several songs that ended up on the self-titled record we'll cover today, but re-recorded. Yes. Um, yeah, I was aware of those records and knew some of the songs on them, but not super well. Um, and one of the things that I wrote in my notes while I was listening to the self-titled record before I went back and listened to the early records for the Patreon was like, what a fan I am of John Warren's voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was especially surprising going back and listening to how shitty he sounds <laughs> on back in the shoot match. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we will get there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this, I have my, um, my, my little lyric booklet from back in the day. Mm. Uh, got the pretty cool cover that's a little bit of a luminescent yeah dude on the front with i don't know what you what what you would call that a little little flame head little little fire head guy yeah Yeah. he's it it seems rather uh like a retro kind of thing going on i always thought that was really cool uh red back cover um and then very challenging to read lyrics with uh (laughs) all the stars and everything yeah. across the inside of it. Now, I had a weird version of the CD. Oh yeah, I have I have kind of a special relationship with this band. Okay, uh, let's hear it. Just in the sense that they were from the Twin Cities, right. whether it was Minneapolis or Hopkins or Plymouth, whatever the Twin <laughs> Cities metro area. Yeah, and my band was playing when they were kind of at the height, which mm. I would say this album is their most well known. I think, um, and. I loved this record deeply mm-hmm. and haven't really listened to it a ton over the years, but I don't know why, because I still think it rules. Yes. Um, but so they were active from 95 to 2005, but the album I knew the best certainly was this one. Um, like I said, I knew a little bit of the independently released ones. I heard the madness of the crowds when it came out in 2002 and my reaction at the time was kind of, not liking the sound as much um certainly a shift with that record um but thinking it was still pretty good so i'm eager to revisit that i don't know their final album at all so interested to check that out um if i can make a prediction yeah i'll uh, like that one more than the second one uh no i'm gonna say that as as the albums go on you're gonna like them less because they go right kind of in a more rock Yes, kind of a, a pop rock and less punk. Yeah, yeah. Which we should say. So this album was released August tenth, two thousand on BEC, which is an imprint of Tooth and Nail, and which is interesting because that was more their kind of straight ahead rock label, right? Like, maybe yeah. it makes more sense for their next couple records to be on there. But I always thought that was kind of an odd fit because this is a pretty straight ahead skate punk i mean you know pop punk emo leaning at times but like it's a punk record 
Yes, um, so I would definitely, I would definitely say pop punk. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the BC. I mean, yeah, it is sort of surprising that that it was on on that record because when I think of BEC, I, I definitely think of more uh, you're more like singer songwriter right lighter lighter bands and not so much um, punk bands at all or like maybe bands that didn't fall into like the punk or uh, metal genres that like solid state or tooth and nail had. right yeah i would say this album fits very nicely along with the rest of what tooth and nail proper was releasing at the time so i'm not sure it'd be interesting to hear more if uh if folks have thoughts or have information on that um right but yeah when i was when my band was playing in minnesota in the twin cities at the time they were a really big influence on us um and when i say they i mean this record in particular right um and I think it was just like, you know, I saw them several times. Um, and although it was mainly for the period that my band was active, which was like the few years of the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s. So this is mainly the album I knew. It was definitely a staple for me and the other guys in the band. And like, I think I had some connection to them. I can't remember what the deal was exactly. I think our guitar player knew someone who recorded them at a studio in the Twin Cities. So somehow I had an early release of the record. Mm. So the one that I had doesn't look like what you held up. I didn't have, okay. it was like pretty sparse. Um, so I had some early release somehow, maybe that was why, because of the connection, but it just felt really cool having a Christian skate punk band that was playing in the cities and right. executing a sound we right. liked uh, really well. Um, mm. So I always felt connected to them for that reason. Um, and I kind of didn't track them as much as they went on. And, you know, like we said, they haven't recorded anything for a long time at this point, but this, this record always was really special to me. And I know the other guys in the band for sure um, in my band, but they had won <laughs> a national battle of the bands competition sponsored by Sam Goody. <laughs> because goody got it it feels very appropriate for our pod um <laughs> but i knew them mainly from being they were kind of a big deal in twin cities at least for like you know the christian scene kids um but they would go on to like tour with reliant k a lot uh john eventually of course left to play bass for them uh for a while they did a tour with five iron um and reliant k but i mean i just and they also um so yeah, most consistently in the band, it was John Warren on lead vocals and guitar and Josh Abbott who rules on drums. Um, both of them also played in Gorilla Rodeo before it yes. became Roper. Right. Uh, another connection there. Um, yeah, but for me, it was just always like, they just had these irresistible riffs. There's so many great little hooks that so many songs start out with. And I would mess around on those hooks and think about them a lot. They'd always be in my head. It's so catchy. Um, and I feel like it really had that this album in particular was really a sweet spot between pop punk and skate punk. Like, as we've said with some bands like Reliant K, who I don't, I wasn't as into and other pop punk bands because I think mainly the vocals are a big part of it. Mm. Like what bugs me about a lot of the poppier punk is the vocal delivery where it's kind of like reedy voices, these kind of like high voices with sort of an affectation. And John's voice always just felt very full and very pretty to me like yeah he's just a strong singer 
Um, so it felt like kind of a sweet spot between those things, like kind of like some of those MXPX songs where like it's it's verging on cheesy, but I feel like they pull it off. They're just yeah. like really effective pop songs. Um, so I don't know. They they were they were important to me at least for this era, uh, pretty significantly. When did um, you first hear of Ace Troubleshooter? Um, I also just very quickly want to shout out John Warren, another one of his credits that we have covered on this pod already. Altitude by Yellow Second. Oh, right. Forgot about that. Um, uh, a band that I deeply love and appreciate. Hey, um, and... It sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. What an asshole. Um, but I, I definitely remember, I can't remember the moment I got this record, but I do remember listening to the shit out of it my freshman year of college. So that would have been 2002. Okay. Uh, so this... I don't, you know, I was talking to uh, Jen Mandigo, uh, Dr. Chad, Patreon hmm. Punk, and we'll hear from her pod. in a bit. Hear from her in a bit. Um, that, like, it's so weird that certain albums that we, of bands that we love, we are sort of at the mercy of what was available because you didn't always right. know what came out unless you were like on like a mailing list or catalog or something. And like in the year 2000, it's just, it's not like you were like had a social media account or like we're always on a website or got all of the, you went to a show and always and saw flyers for everything. Like you just sort of like, if your Christian bookstore didn't have it, you might not, might not have known. Um, right. So I, I don't remember how I picked this album up, whether it was like, maybe I got it at chick Maybe I got it sure. uh, at Christian bookstore at, at the North Park bookstore. Um, I'm not sure, but I remember listening to this album a ton, a ton, a ton my freshman year at North Park. And I have an anecdote that uh, I will get to later um, when Ooh. discussing this record. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing <laughs> interesting. It's just, uh, it's just, it's why, it's why one of the songs is in my top three. Got it. So. Yeah, the madness of the crowds came out while I was working at the Christian bookstore on our campus, and I got it from there. So that was how I right. got that one. Um, but yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts on this record. It retains a very special place for me. There's a lot of yellow here for me, which yes. is my coding for songs I love. It's almost all yellow. Maybe not this much yellow on a record since uh, rotation frequency, possibly since we've been doing the pod. Um, there are a couple songs that bum me out <laughs> and bum you out, and we will get yes. there. Um, but overall, I, I mean, this is this is kind of a yeah, this is a big record for me. So I'm excited right. to dive in deeper. Do we have uh, a shadow producer who can who can shed some additional light on this album? We do. We do have a uh, voicemail from our boy Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl. Okay, so it's time for some more interesting history with Unoriginal Vinyl. Yay. So, Bill Stevenson, famous drummer from The Descendants, Black Flag, and owner of The Blasting Room, a studio in Fort Collins, Colorado, recorded a lot, lot, lot of tooth and nail albums in the late 90s and early aughts, as you may or may not know. 
I met Bill recently in the studio in Port Collins when I was getting him to sign some slick shoes, wake up screaming vinyl jackets. Right. He produced that record. And we were sitting in the kitchen talking and he goes, Oh, so tooth and nail records, man. Let's see if you can, uh, let's see if you know your tooth and nail history or not. And I go, try me buddy. And he starts <laughs> immediately singing. He goes, this is my favorite song that I ever recorded from Tooth and Nail Records. And he goes, starry, starry night, <laughs> silver beams, the early light. And I just immediately like jump in with him. Summer beams, summer beams, float over me. And he goes, man, what an absolutely perfect song, Ace Troubleshooter, tonight, tonight. I'll never forget recording that song because when we got done with it, I just thought that band has the magic spark. And I said, well, would you say that that was your favorite record you recorded on Tooth & Nail? He said, oh, absolutely. Definitely my wow. favorite song is Tonight Tonight by uh, – maybe it's just called Tonight by it a troubleshooter. It's been a minute, but we sang through the song a cappella <laughs> in the kitchen of the blasting room together, me and Bill Stevenson. And people were walking by not having a damn clue <laughs> what we were singing or who we were talking about. And it was a really special moment for me. So without a troubleshooter – Without that song, I don't know uh, that I would have ever had such a cool connection with the legend, Bill Stevenson. That rules. What a what a memory. That's like a that's, great story. That is an all-timer memory to like take with you for the rest of your life. Singing <laughs> a early 2000s Christian pop punk song with Bill Stevenson. Yeah, man. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, we so this was, as Jason said, recorded by our boys, Bill Stevenson and Stefan Edgerton at the Blasting Room. Uh, they have produced a ton of the bands and albums we've covered on the pod already, to Jason's point. Yeah. Um, uh, same with Brian Gardner, who mastered this record. Um, but I kind of felt the same thing. I just felt like these guys were kind of destined for a lot more than they ultimately ended up doing. And the production sounds great on this yes. album i mean yes. they're great songwriters but it sounds so good and like jimmy e world adjacent um yeah. a lot of the songs i think are not unlike uh some of the songs that hit huge for them uh, a year later uh, with bleed american and i just wish that this would have gotten on that level you know at least to a wider extent um but yeah tonight is probably the most well-known song from this record um maybe song they ever did uh tiger jack my band ripped off uh the song uh with one of ours we will get to that um but yeah i just think they sound so tight on this album um yeah. and there are a lot of different sections of songs but i feel like they all work together really well you know one thing i complained about with dogwood was the songs being too long yeah I don't mind the longer songs here. There are a lot of like four minute plus songs, but they don't bother me because I feel like they all hang together so effectively. Um, just really good sort of like pop rock songwriting. Um, and the and... songs that are on Don't Stop a Rockin' that are on this record. <laughs> yeah, they have, sound better. They sound so much better. Yeah. The, the choices that they make, whether, you know, uh, whether or not they're, significant changes or not i'm like that was the right call totally and 
I mean, the production just sounds so, so, so much better. So much better. I'm trying to have a certain level of grace for that because I think they were literally, I think John was 16 and Josh was 15 when they did their first record in 96 and they recorded it by themselves. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, how dare these teenagers not have an amazing sounding totally record. I'm just thinking that how they, you know, working with people like yes, Bill and Stefan, who are just right. like know exactly what they're doing. Right. It's yeah. just they're, you know, putting putting this record and these songs in their hands. You're like totally. They made the right calls, and they just sound so great. It's wild to go from them being kids in the middle of high school, recording stuff that sounds like garbage, right. to going straight to the blasting room to record songs that sound awesome. Um, right. So yeah, it's quite a trajectory in those few years. Um, but yeah, on this record, you've got uh, John and Josh and then Ben Dewey on bass and Isaac Deaton on guitar and vocals. Um, yeah, should we should we get into it? Yeah, open up with some, some Josh tearing it up on Southeast 101. My number two. My number one. Oh shit, bro. The song rules. It's it's (laughs) so good. Yeah, this is another one of those songs where you're like, this could have been on the radio alongside any number of pop punk for sure at the time. It's a great song. As you said, just from the toms in the opening to that guitar riff, you're just like, oh shit. We're about to have fun. This is about to go down. <laughs> yeah. um, I love the energy of the song throughout. You know, it kind of changes time signatures, but it's just like this relentless energy the whole time. And I don't know. I always knew that I loved. I, I think this the first half of this record is stronger. Um, but a lot of these songs right in a row were always my favorites. I don't know if I would have necessarily named This Is My Number One before going through them for this week. But ultimately, I was just like, yeah, I can't deny how great the song is it's my favorite Um, also i also want to shout out john because this is going to come up on the patreon his uh yelly john has gotten a lot better yes a lot better (laughs) yeah his early yelly uh, moments (laughs) on those first two records that's so great tough yeah but let's get to a little bit of uh again and <laughs> sounds so, great. That's so great. I love that. Oh yeah. And I think like I said to my 
to what I was saying when I was a kid listening to this, like it is poppy, but when you get in the like, ah, yeah. And it's like pretty hard hitting. Like it just is like this really great sweet spot. Like it's, it's fast and it's hard, but it's like still very melodic. And yeah, I just, I love an occasional scream uh, with these, with these melodies too. Um, 100%. But what about that? What about that bridge, bro? Hey man, they got some great bridges on this record too. Oof. Yes. It rolls. So good. The uh, reference that I made to the intro to this new segment of the pod. Yes. Um, well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> great song. Great song. They uh, a little bit of some Southbound MXPX vibes. <laughs> um, not as cool to me because I knew that Highway 101 was not cool. That's <laughs> <I was> growing <laughs> up. It basically went from places like Plymouth and whatever to yeah if you would drive southeast from there you would get to the Twin Cities so I guess for him it makes sense it's kind of the song about wanting to get out of the place you're in guess you got to take that highway you got to go southeast to get to the Twin Cities something more exciting but I always thought it was kind of funny because I was like Highway 101 was not a highway I drove on much at all it wasn't really something I had any relation to because I was an elitist coming from the cities Um, but I could certainly see how you know a suburban kid wanting to get out of the place they're in you're gonna you're gonna take that 101 um yeah i just love it i love it as being an emblematic sort of like we're gonna go somewhere exciting this is happening let's do this let's let's get in the car and drive um love the song well every every band needs to have like their on the road songs yes i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fault them even (laughs) though even if the 101 is not super cool (laughs) that's great uh denise mm. Hell yeah. that, that guitar sounds so good so good My number two. Oh, awesome. It is, <laughs> what do you think about it? I, I like the song a lot. Yeah. I it's I mean, uh, the first half of this record is just banger on banger, banger after on banger. banger. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know that I, def- as I was saying, necessarily would have differentiated among them, which were my favorites, but I can't deny it's a, a, a lot of these openings, man, these guitar lines, like you're saying, it just sounds so good immediately. 
um, cool guitar throughout the whole song. Um, but it's just so driving. Um, like I was saying about Southeast 101, it's, it's fast, but it's melodic. Um, the bridge is really fun once again. Um, and yeah, this is another one that's like, it's over four minutes, but I don't mind at all. Right. Um, exactly. Cause all the parts are executed well and sound great and they don't feel unnecessary. Um, yeah, they just sound so proficient and it's so well produced and it just, yeah, it's great execution. Um, lyrically, I guess it's sort of encouraging this Denise character to sort of go seize the day and leave their past behind. I don't know. I think when I was, so this will come up later too, but when I was a kid sort of listening to the lyrics, I just sort of assumed it was like a love song. Like there was a Denise that he liked or whatever, but that, that's not really what the vibe is. Um, kind of kind of similar to Southeast 101 where it's like a new sort of new venture, new journey, getting out there and seizing the day kind of thing. Yeah, it it's, it's an interesting, the, the lyrics are interesting, especially for the bridge, which I think we should get to. Yes. The bridge. So it's it kind of to your point about like you don't need to let your past define you. Um, yeah. It's time to seize the world. It's not all set down in stone. It's this way of being like, hey, you know what? I guess there's some when I hear when I hear the phrase you've changed, I have this like negative association with it. Right. Especially when it comes to like a lot of Christian records, because right. it's it's always one of those uh, man, you, you you've changed, man. Right. You used to believe in the Lord, but right. you changed. But this to me, it's like almost saying like, look, you you you've changed and you're yeah. different now and you and you can move on. So you're not who you used to be. And that's a good thing. Maybe right. that's maybe it's like the opposite. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I had that same thought as I was looking through it because you've changed usually suggests a negative song. And this song is about how Denise is, he's encouraging her. Things are getting better. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, this whole record, I didn't know those those independently released albums very well. And those are much more evangelical than the stuff they would put out from this album forward. So right. I never thought of them as that kind of band. Um, and it feels for the most part, we'll get into some songs, but I feel like you mean the song, I love Jesus on back to the shooting match. <laughs> yeah. There are some bummers to be had there. Um, but I, yeah, my recollection of them. And I think this was mostly borne out as I was listening through it for this is like their songs that dealt with faith were not judgy in particular. And even about people or characters, they didn't feel mostly like this patronizing feeling that can come from a lot of these right. bands, early albums, when they're teenagers talking about people in the world or whatever, it felt mostly like, um, you know, people who were 
if there was a, a, a mention of sort of like people having struggles, it wasn't from a place of like, I'm garbage necessarily. It was more from an <laughs> yeah. admission of a uh, struggle and sort of being truthful and, and like encouraging and positive. And so that's kind of the vibe that I remember feeling from this album. So yeah. Anyway, I like the song a lot before that part we heard there's a little in the verse which is also i mean in the uh, bridge which is also great so yeah i don't know i just think it builds in a really satisfying way it does and saying just a little bit more about the theology like when it comes to a lot of a lot of ace records i'll, I'll talk about the like their three core records as in the ones that were released on labels mm-hmm. i don't usually have uh, any theology qualms it's not it's not that that's they're not that kind of band for me where i'm just like ooh, that's a tough that's a tough theological take um yeah you know like they emphasize (laughs) love and yeah uh and like that's that's cool i'm i'm here for that and yeah uh and we'll we'll get to another song here shortly um that is also a different a different kind of approach to uh, a theological idea um, yeah yeah i think that's another reason why this record and the band who i mainly knew through this record resonated with me so much at the time is they were talking about faith but they were mostly doing it in a way that felt meaningful to me and not like cringy so yes yes um so let's move on to bill stevenson's <laughs> favorite song the longest song on the record but hmm. another example of a long song that for me doesn't feel no laborious. Keep it all on there, baby. Sorry, sorry, night. The silver beams, the only light. Summer breeze, summer dreams float over me. The stars frame her We'll get to the payoff here in a moment, but this sure. is my number one. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it didn't go in my top three, but it is, I mean, like I said, I think it's probably the most well-known song of theirs. I love it. It's a great it is pop a punk song. Perfectly built and perfectly yes. constructed song. The, yeah. the, the, just the palm muted guitar at the beginning. And then the, you know, then into like the driving, uh, like full band, and then they pull it back a little bit yeah. for the second chorus, and then they just build it back up, and yeah. the payoff is just so fucking satisfying. Yes, you're just because you know where it's going, right? Yeah. You know, it's like I was uh texting with Lauren about this album as we were preparing for this episode, and mm-hmm. she's like. She's like, this song is written for like, it's like a cinematic song. This yeah. is like a song that would go in a movie. This yes. is the kind of like 
that like love story uh, rom-com. It's just built for that. The structure of it is just so like yeah. all, all of the things, all these chemicals are flooding to your brain. You're like, and you're just so satisfied when it gets to the payoff. Yeah. Do you want to get to that payoff? Goddamn right I do. <laughs> There's no That's great. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You're making me. You're making me have some regrets about not putting this <laughs> in my top three. Oh, Make it's, a compelling case. I mean, it's um, it's just so it's so easy to just fall into, and then like the the driving guitar, and but then like the picking the picking uh of uh after this like shreddy part. Yeah. It's just like you're like oh man. How do you not sing along? You have to I, sing along. <laughs> I was just going to say, I know we've more or less made a rule about not singing along since we've been on Zoom because there's a delay, but I cannot resist with this album. <laughs> it's too burned into me and it sounds so great. Um, yeah, my relationship to the song is that it it's kind of the song that everybody wanted to hear at shows. And right. I sort of like resented it for that reason because I was <laughs> a piece of shit. Classic John. <laughs> I was like... Ugh, it's like too much. Play but... Chili Minnesota. <laughs> I, of course, this will surprise no one, liked their harder rocking mode on songs like the next one, which we'll hear. Um, but I, I could certainly appreciate this. I think I felt like it's a pretty straight ahead Very love song. Very big of you. <laughs> it's a pretty straight ahead love song, but yeah. they pull it off. I mean, it borders on cheesy, I would say. And maybe as a kid, it felt too like tipped too far into that (laughs) yeah that territory but like it they're nice lyrics it's a romantic song he says her hair is drenched in silver moonlight that's fucking great yeah um it sounds like jimmy world this sounds like not unlike a song that would be on a jimmy world record in this era um and i think they pull it off so it reminds me of high school so much listening to the song and what had happened was that (laughs) what had happened was um (laughs) Our guitar player, as I said, was connected to this band and loved this band. Right. And he brought in this love song about his girlfriend, who was our friend, and uh, she went to college with us, whatever. But it was like not really the kind of vibe we were used to, but it was a good song. And so the rest of us were kind of like, yeah, it's good. We like that one. It's, you know, it's a little different, but that's fine. Um, and this was before the album came out, because like I said, we got that like advanced copy. So I didn't hear the song tonight until after he brought in that song and I was like, oh, this is straight up a ripoff in like many ways of the song. Um, so I think that's part of my like reluctance with the song too, is I'm kind of like, it makes me a little embarrassed for the song that we had that was a ripoff. But if you're gonna rip off a song, this is a great one to do it with. 
Um, it's yeah, it's the just an, the stars very... in her eyes outshine the stars in the sky. Yeah, like I, I think at the time as a kid, I was a little like, okay, but now I'm like, I mean, that's great. This is a great love song. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cute love song, but it's also like a panty dropper. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> yes, you're just like, how, how, how lovely is that turn of phrase to say right. to somebody you love? Like, I mean, it's like you're the, you're so beautiful. Like the 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 wondrous uh, parts of like the most beautiful parts of our of our universe like have nothing on you i mean it's just like it's over the top but it's also super cute and meanwhile as a kid i was like um yeah your love song that's based around the song is great but my song's about the death penalty and gun violence can we get back to those please and i'm just like you dummy like just relax (laughs) exactly i could have i'm sure my girlfriend at the time was like she wishes i would have written something like this instead of that stuff it's great um, your number one, aka my possible last minute change. <laughs> well, yeah, country. there's 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 still time we'll um, because we both have our uh, our one and two. Yep. Um, misconceptions. Oh shit! Open up that booth. This song's great. Uh, and it's a very interesting song. And yeah. I've been looking forward to discussing this song with you. Same here. Um, I'll get the, the musical stuff out of the way first, but I've been very curious about your reaction to lyrics. But this is probably my number four. I think it falls just outside of my top three. I love how hard-hitting it is. I love those minor chords in the verses. Yeah. Those really fast drum fills like we just heard between verses and those medley riffs. Um, this is also on uh, Don't Stop a Rockin' originally, but sounds a lot better here. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, I liked the song growing up because it felt like an admission that Christian are hypocrites. Christians are hypocrites. Yes. Um, which was encouraging to me. Um, and not in a, again, not in a like I'm garbage way, but in a like, I can understand why you wouldn't want to be a Christian when you see Christians acting in a way that's unchristlike. Um, and encouraging forgiveness and conversation rather than evangelizing. Um, so that appealed to me. And I re-listening to it again, I, I think it still holds up in that way. But I would be curious to hear what you think about it. I I, I tend to agree. Um, I think it holds up to 
a majority of ways that I think it could be scrutinized. Uh, I think a, I think a lot of it, the ways one might scrutinize it are kind of nitpicking in the sense that like in the same way that Denise uses the phrase you've changed. Sure. It's like uh, phrases like, you know, can I help you understand? Can I please help you understand? Right. It, it is it is very reminiscent of other songs that we've heard. And, you know, it's in God's book, but he don't want to look right like like you're just you just you're not understanding. Let me help you understand. But I don't think that's what is being said here. Right. Uh, and so I give it a pass for that since I'm very merciful. Um, <laughs> but the the parts that I, I'm trying to grasp um, is, um, you know, spring clear of all half truths because the burden of proof doesn't rest on an institution. So that is the line to me that I think needs to be dissected a little bit because is he talking about so who I'm, I'm just wondering who he's talking to in this in this chorus um so yeah. like talks about tangled webs of feudal thinking half truths uh lies as several of the ties like who are we who's who's who in your opinion or your thought what is being said and what is who is this directed at the chorus of the song my interpretation was always that he's talking to a non-Christian or at least someone who's suspicious of, of the church and of Christians and him saying, yeah, there are lies and tangled webs of feudal thinking and half truths in the church. So don't make your um, assessment limited to the church's actions. Cause if you look at the church, you're going to find, a lot of bad things. So th that was my interpretation of the burden of proof doesn't rest on an institution. Like, don't let that be the only thing you sort of see as being Christ is the way that the church operates. So he's, he's making uh, an argument that um, it's his faith. And the most important thing is the, uh, something that's bred out of love and not institutional uh, mandates or so, or so to speak. I think so. Or even like, you know, he says, uh, I can see all the hurt and the misery resulting from the fact that Christians are the biggest sinners of them all. So basically like, you know, like our boys DC talk said, yeah. uh, what if I stumble the biggest threat to what is that little clip? Uh, oh, the, 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 the biggest cause of uh, atheism, atheism is, is Christians, Christians who yeah. profess with their mouths and deny him by their lifestyle. And that's what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't know who that guy is, but that clip resonates with me still where I'm like, yeah, yeah of course it's, it's how you act. That's going to get people to be at all receptive yeah. to what you're saying. It's kind of like you were saying with dogwood where it's like, so many other songs are like, please, why won't you be a Christian? But it's like, <laughs> they don't necessarily express anything about <laughs> their life that looks attractive. Um, so like here, it's like, yeah, don't, uh, an acknowledgement of the fact that of course, if you're looking at the actions of people who profess to be Christian or 
are from the church or some of those loudest voices, they're naturally going to not live up to that. So like, can we please have a conversation about how, even though that's the case, um, there's still something here that's more than what these people are saying. I don't know. Maybe right. that's a generous read, but that's how I always thought about it. Yeah. Another, another one of those lines that I was talking about just that I give a pass to because of the context of the song, because if just on the face of it, mm -hmm. uh, don't let all those who come in Christ's name fool you. Don't you dare. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, okay. okay. <laughs> Hold on, buddy. Put the knife down. <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare let them fool you. Right. Which feels a little bit like, can I help you understand? Can I please help you understand? <laughs> You're like, all right, buddy. Yeah. It definitely borders on the like, all right, I back up a minute, but I think it is, it's to me, it's born out of the frustration of being like, don't equate me with these people that you see. Cause yeah. that's not what I think of as being Jesus, but yeah. I, we, I want to get to the, um, one of the final, uh, pre-choruses. Yeah. That's another really satisfying part. Ooh, and I, I really that. appreciate it. If we've yeah. been on our knees, but our eyes have been closed to all the pain and suffering, I cry out, God, forgive us. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think, think it's, I think is a, um, a great admission um, because I think it is uh, painfully clear that that is the case yeah. for a lot of um, even more so now uh, the ways in which the evangelicalism has turned their backs on issues that I should, I should hope would be um, fundamental and foundational to their Christian faith. Um, right. But so I think that there's a lot of meat to the song right. and, and like I was saying the any nitpicky would just be like <laughs> those, like, you know, can I please, help you understand God's right yeah even the idea that it's called misconceptions it's like yeah well you're the one who's wrong about this so let me try and tell you right right you no know. but I, I, again i think it's born i think there are misconceptions about to your to our point with our conversation with your dad like i don't think i think there are misconceptions about what people in the church think about why jesus came to earth you know what i mean so it's sometimes it's worth clearing up some of those misconceptions but right. anyway the way in which you do it is important and shoving your finger into somebody's chest and going please let me explain it might not be the best way so <laughs> yeah, anyway exactly <laughs> uh but overall great song good song really good. i'm into it yep and my way mm. hell yeah
like it a lot. Yeah, I like the song. Um, it's it's the first song so far uh, that it's like it doesn't hit in the same way as Agreed. the first as the first four do. Agreed. That opening riff though. Yes. Pretty great. It is pretty great. I used to mess around on that all the time if I was near a guitar. <laughs> so great. Uh, also, shout out to <laughs> the song for incorporating Blind Man Stood by the Road and He Cried, <laughs> which is a song I had not th- heard thought of for a very long time when I listened yeah. to that song. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's another, they have another line Blind Man shook his fist and he cried. Right. Yep. Which is a very specific youth groupy. Yes, I song. certainly played uh, that on acoustic guitar in my youth group. One hundred percent. So did uh, I. <laughs> I am the way. <laughs> it's kind of a jam. It's kind of a jam. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> There's something oh, about the, also Jesus uh, going to the well. What was it? Sure. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember all of the, but it was one of those songs that had way too many verses. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So shout out to them for incorporating that. Um, no, definitely, I, yes. definitely Midwest youth group kids. hundred <laughs> percent. Through and through. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's not on the level of the songs we've heard so far, but I like it a lot. I, you know, lyrically he's in a bad place. Uh, the song's kind of a prayer. You know, it's interesting that it ends with him saying, my way sucks four times, <laughs> yeah. um, which is a, a sort of variation on the like, I'm garbage. But this doesn't feel as much like the I'm just a worthless piece of crap, as we've talked about with some other songs this season, as this isn't working. And so I'm turning to you. Right. Like that feels like a more authentic uh sort of lament or or prayer in a in a place of feeling like things aren't working and then just like my way sucks suggests to me a little less uh i'm hopeless so good thing you came to save me than like i'm working hard and it hasn't worked out so like help me do better you know yeah so i feel like that is a difference yeah um yeah and he clearly has uh his his poeticism has grown yeah from his the first couple records he's not talking about ravioli he's not talking about ravioli there's no there's no pasta based songs sadly (laughs) do you want to hear a little bit of the the my way sucks sure doesn't hurt that it's super catchy when he's saying it yeah it's true it almost it almost has a billy joe armstrong yes for sure my way sucks in i don't know certainly slips into a a green day vibe uh, not infrequently yeah um yesterday which is another little bit of a bummer song maybe talking about depression or yeah something of that sort I like that though. Even sounds dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I love the little guitar flourishes that they so cool. have. I mean, the guitar work isn't overly technical or right. complicated or anything, but I think with the little flourishes that they have and the work that Josh does on the drums, yes, it, it makes it far more interesting. Yeah, it's not virtuoso playing, no. but it's incredibly solid riffs. There's, they it's always not, it's not Jackson mold level here, but it's no. everybody is quite proficient. And it sounds so good. I mean, the guitar sound, as we've said, just the guitar sound is excellent. Just sounds awesome on this record. Um, yeah, and I love that little do 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 opening riff. Yeah. Um, the toms and the verses. Sounds great. I think the chord progression on this one is really cool. You know, in the chorus, it's sort of this like strong emo vibes on this song. Yes. Um, it's a slow song, but it's a pretty song. It kind of does these minor chord progression things. There's these little, which feels kind of Weezery and emo-y, Jimmy World again. Um, and but, yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go, no, I, I was just saying like, there, you can tell that like their, their influences are not just punk. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I, I, one of the, the reason I like this song is that, um, it's an admission of the challenges of of growing up. Um, you know, the second the second verse, take me back to a time of naivete, never ending days, and no need to question things. Yeah, you know, right. that's like that's like he's describing youth, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like when things were easier and you didn't have to think too hard and sort of things were taken care of for you. And yeah, uh, the answers were given to you. And, uh, and I, I think that's a pretty uh, profound statement to be like, to admit like, man, this was as much as like when we were kids, we complained about how tough things were, you know, the idea of like not needing to really push back on anything when you were a kid or. Yeah. And you're just outside playing and the summers were never ending and whatever. Right. Yeah. I think, or even a, a faith that's like black and white and yeah. you yeah. get older and it becomes more complex and you have to ask questions. He's like mm -hmm. missing when he didn't feel the need to ask questions. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe I, that's the source of the grayness is right. that like, I think so. Oh, this is a little bit more, there's more nuance to things now. Right. Yeah. It, it, it feels very emo though you know what's wrong with me now god my world is gray so please help me out i pray because i want to live in yesterday that feels feels pretty emo Yeah, I could see how John Warren and Scott Kerr would uh, come together musically. Um, I love that little like gray, you know, he does that yeah. little drop. It's just these little these little flourishes that are just these very solid hooky pop things that he just kind of has ready to go as a, as a songwriter and as a singer. Yeah. Um, yeah, good song. Good song. Um. First Corinthians 13. Uh, 
good song, bummer song title, but that's all right. does a nice yeah later uh <laughs> after that verse he, um, that's one of the changes that they made between yes is that he dropped one of the yes right. i think is a smart move yeah it's like you gotta save your yes save your yes <laughs> um yes this this was also on don't stop a rockin um i don't know i this is not the most exciting song on the record to me but i like it um the chord progressions are satisfying to me. The, yeah, I agree. The chains will come off, the walls will fall down. The, those, dun, 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 dun. those progressions there. Agreed. Those those chord changes sound really great to my. It ear. does feel good. I feel like generally when they when they get to what the melody of the thing is, you're like, ooh, yeah, I like that. That 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 moved in a way that was satisfying to me. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts on this one lyrically. Um, I kind of feel like even if it's a little cheesy to use a passage that we've heard at many weddings um, and then talk about going to heaven, um, I still think, you know, there's a reason that people choose that passage. Like, I think trying to focus on a life of love is a good thing. (laughs) And I'm not going to fault anybody for being like, like singing about love and the importance (laughs) of love. Right. And yeah, it feels a little different, kind of like we were saying than some of the like faith in action songs we've heard this season. Um, you know, he says, love came to earth so we'd see a deeper way to live and grow, self-seeking and nothing to show us what it means to walk in love. I'm like, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. So like, I wish there was more articulation of the Christian experience that some of these evangelical bands are trying to get people to sound exciting uh wish there was more in this vein because it sounds pretty good to me yeah so the, yeah. the one part that i'm curious um i so i understand that this is i understand the source material that this comes from but yeah. uh so would it mean a thing if he gave right. everything he had to the poor if he didn't do it in love. Um, I mean, I don't know if uh, contributions to impoverished people or organizations that help with poverty, I don't know if those organizations or people would really care if your motivations were out of love or not. Right. <laughs> like, because like, oh yeah, let me give, let me give you lots of money it's like, wait a minute, hold on. 
are you doing this with love or not? <laughs> yeah. Because then it wouldn't mean anything if it wasn't with love. Right. This is this is an anecdote that I've shared on the pod before, but when I was working at Sojourners, I was working for this guy, Jim Wallace. And while I was there, he went on The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was still there. And um, he had this book out called Faith Works. And the end, they ended their interview by Jon Stewart saying, because faith without works, and Jim Wallace said, is dead. And then Jon Stewart said, and works without faith, eh, still pretty good. <laughs> so like, I always think about that where it's like, yeah, you want Christians to show their following of Christ by acting good. Right. But right. if there are people who are doing good without the motivation of Christ, like still good. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Kind I, of like the apologetics song <laughs> that we... <laughs> right. oh, gosh. Or that Tara. more than works. <laughs> <laughs> more than works. Um because it doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't mean a thing. Right. If yeah. uh if you don't have if you don't believe in Jesus. So just useless. Just what useless. I what I take from this and, you know, what I take from what Paul was saying about it was like for Christians. So like you should, Christians should make sure that what your motivation for actions in life is, is out of a response of love to God and love to others. I think that's all. It's as simple as that. It's not saying like good things that people do without a motivation of love for God are not good things. Like it's just like kind of about watch yourself and why you're doing the things you do, make sure that your actions are, are motivated and rooted in this idea of loving others. I think it's right. as simple as that, but yes, I, I bump on the same idea as you. Yes. So, um, stamp of approval. I'm, I'm here for it. Cool. I think first Corinthians 13 as a song title sucks. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> something a little more poetic there, but I mean, it looks good if you're a Christian mom <laughs> buying CDs for your kid and you're like, oh. oh, well, this this one has a Bible verse as a song title. I, yeah. Okay, we'll buy this one. Yeah, exactly. Well done, Ace. <laughs> um, now to the <laughs> first bummer song yeah, of I think the record. The, the train to Bummersville is pulling out of the station. Yeah, all aboard, everybody. Choo-choo. Don't, don't trust that girl. that in the corner it looks like a it look sort of looks like a box i think it's like a wooden latched item oh shit i yeah. think we gotta open up the box i think we need to open up that box bro <laughs> this one's um this one's called the box 
uh boy for those gotta... for those unfamiliar with the box yeah. maybe maybe you're coming in new to ace troubleshooter section of the season mm. the box is a it's not the penalty box which might have made the... more sense <laughs> it's not the penalty box this the box is opening up pandora's box so to speak tackling yes. controversial topics controversial subjects and just getting a little bit deeper into a particular topic um and in this particular section we're going to be talking about uh misogyny and uh the problematic nature of this kind of this particular kind of song in that was pretty common in the the 90s pop punk scene yeah i i'll say up top musically i really like this song (laughs) i love how fast it is i do think the bridge rules which we will have to hear some of at some point in this discussion um this is another one that was originally on don't stop a rockin and what i will say is this song and yoko which i hate even more yeah um are just this thing on this album that I, we, we talked about this a little bit before off mic that I was able to sort of excuse or compartmentalize or not even really bump on it that much as a teenager. Right. Um, because there was this very common strain of thinking in these, in a lot of these songs, mostly written by young men, um, prevalent in pop punk not limited to that but like yeah a lot of these young guys writing things that in retrospect are toxic masculinity they're they are misogynistic and you know this song now looking at it i can't excuse i mean these lyrics fucking woof like yeah hey fellas be aware don't want to end up like me another victim of her stupid female schemes um and just using this heartbreak negativity song as an excuse to write off uh, a gender (laughs) to like this is bordering on some incel shit where it's like it is you know it's it's this using this like a girl broke up with me and therefore that means all women are untrustworthy bitches who are out to get you right um and the worst elements of this are tied into purity culture but yes yeah exactly and uh it's also the opening line, you know, that kind of girl, right? It's like, yeah. well, what, what kind of girl is that John? Also let's, let's just think for a second about there's just like the, the thing that like drives me crazy the most about, about this song is um, so we have, so we, he wrote this maybe when he was 19 20 yeah, at the most something like that. yeah because if this was 1999 he could have been 20 at the oldest that he could have written this right. and it's like uh you know that kind of love um i knew that kind of girl and it's like i knew that kind of love did you <laughs> right, did you yeah. though right <laughs> you were a teenager what do we know about love that will last when we are but young boys right and so when you couple this uh the song where it's like 
uh, I broke, I got my heart broken. Girls are no good. Stupid female schemes. Uh, you know, you can't trust them. And then you couple that with her hair is drenched with silver moonlight. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, so I will, um, shower you with nothing but love and, and, and beautiful poetry. Until. But until, um, I, you know, lose my shit and right. write this, this screed against all of women, you yeah. know? So it's just, when you talk about like that, that idea of the incel, like, I'm just a nice guy. Why won't women like, like me? And right. it's like, oh, because you, you're terrifying. And this is the kind of thing that you do. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this on our last episode in the context of a very real, uh, yeah. you know, real world incident right? rooted in misogyny and toxic masculinity and purity culture. And what it ended up in is someone murdering a bunch of people. So this um, stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 real. Right. Um do we do we want to hear a little bit from uh from somebody on this we need to. on this very subject? We um have a guest who was uh, featured on our first season of Magpie Pod, um mm. Dr. Jen Mandigo, a uh, friend of the show, Patreon Punk, aka aka Dr. Chad. <laughs> yeah. Um so I talked with Dr. Chad <laughs> slash Jen um, just about some of these ideas around uh, uh, misogyny in, in pop punk and, and in the punk scene and some of these other ideas. Uh, so let's hear some of that conversation. I want to know kind of some of your thoughts on this maybe some of your experiences uh, and what we do with some of these songs as they mm -hmm. are, you know, like how, how do we hold them? How do you hold them? How are, how are you, how do you digest all of this? Well, I can start by telling you that. So my history is that um, I'm pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, raised in the church morning, noon, and night, 16 times a week, you know, the whole thing. Yes. And so, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? 16? <laughs> Every time the church was open, I think. So, you know, this was back in the old times. You probably remember the olden days where you had Sunday morning and Sunday evening church. Do you remember that? I I didn't have Sunday evening. That was... We had, we had Sunday evening. What like, for a long time. Um, Free Methodist. It's... Okay like an evangelical Protestant. It's similar to Nazarene, if you know okay. denominations, but it's pretty small, free mess. And- <laughs> is this, this is in Florida then? Uh, yes, yeah. Florida yeah. man. <laughs> I was just assuming if there's free meth involved, then it was probably in Florida. <laughs> but um, so I, you know, I bought into all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So this idea that, I mean, I wouldn't say that our, that our church was like, they're not like hardcore complementarian. That's right. more passive. But I definitely bought into this idea, you know, that we see in a lot of these songs, like the one I sent you last night, that, you know, women yeah. are responsible for men's behavior. Yes. Um, how women look, yep. what women wear. 
what women say, you know, everything yes. women do makes men want to have sex with them. Right. Makes men lust after them, you know, well, even boys adult will be men. Boys. Boys oh yeah. Boys. And it doesn't matter if they're your age or if they're 30 years older than you, it's your job right. to, you know, the idea it's so gross when you think about it, like a 14 year old is supposed to like be concerned that they're sexually arousing like a 45 year old dude or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, and this idea that, I mean, I don't even know why I never thought about it at the time, but the idea that, you know, women are solely responsible for, you know, men's morality or men's sexuality mm-hmm. and what they do with that. Yep. So from that framework, you know, um, thinking that that was like kind of a legitimate thing, probably until oh, older than I'd like to admit, probably like my early twenties. Yeah. Um, so growing up in that culture, I would say that like you were talking about last night, you listening to those, so- those songs at the time and place, like in the nineties and early two thousands, yeah. I totally agreed with that. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, women can be evil and you know, what is, I don't even know what verse it is, but you know, the heart is deceptive above all things. So anything you want must be bad. You can't yeah. trust yourself. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and it's like this weird juxtaposition because you have to be ugly enough that you're not making men lust after you but you have to be good looking enough that men want to marry you and have a thousand babies with you yeah so (laughs) you have to walk that line Mm -hmm. um so i would say that like songs like that didn't make me feel good but at that time in my life i bought into it and you were saying like, you are looking at these things now through a lens of us being so much older. Right. And we have to remember that the people who wrote these songs were also very young. Yes. I mean, I was thinking about that Watashi Wa song and I was like, he was probably 16 when he wrote this and probably yeah. just like me totally believed that. Yeah. Well, this specific song that I'm talking about, um, mm-hmm. Don't Trust That Girl by Ace Troubleshooter okay. was on their... It, it, I mean, it's most known for being on their third album, their self-titled record, but it, it was originally on their second record, Don't Stop a Rockin', mm-hmm. and, um, and so that was 19, maybe it's like 97 or something, so okay. you would have been uh, late teens, maybe? Yeah, it was like 15. I think John it was in um, so Great like, yeah, but here's, here is the clincher since we're like kind of looking at it through this the lens of like a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about lately, especially with purity culture and mm-hmm. violence against women. And, uh, I just want to play the last few seconds like maybe the last 10 seconds of the song and something that is um pretty troubling Mm -hmm. in the song in light of everything that has gone on in recent weeks okay women can't live with them can't shoot them wow Women can't live with them, can't shoot them. That's harsh. Um, and I'll, I'll just say now that I've never listened to Ace Troubleshooter in my life, that's the first okay. time I think I've heard of theirs. But yeah, oh, that's Oh, cool, that's cool. Crazy. Sorry. 
sorry for that being your introduction. <laughs> and now they're my favorite band. That's great. Okay, yeah. Um, but like I I looked uh, online to like see like like look up the lyrics and I've seen for some reason I've seen variants of that last lyric. One of them is the one we just heard. Uh, you know, women can't live with them, can't shoot them. And the other one is women can't live with them, can't cheat on them. I don't, I don't know where that one came from because I haven't heard that in any of the songs, but hmm. neither of those are great. Right. Um, but then you couple that with all of these other sweet, cute, poetic love songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's so romantic. What a sweet guy. Why mm-hmm. won't this girl like him? He sounds like such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the whole idea of like the nice guy is just, oh, God. it's all caught up. It's all caught up in like, sort of like the whole incel uh, uh-huh. situation. It's like, you know, you know, tip mm-hmm. of the fedora, milady. And like, I'm just such a nice guy. Why won't you give me a chance? Oh, you won't give You're me a chance? Just- let me just yeah. go ahead and write a song about how it sucks that I can't shoot you. You know, like right. cuz you won't have sex with me, so the yeah. alternative is killing you. Right. Now, we were just talking about this at work the other day. So, I work um in family law, so I deal with people who are getting divorced and separated all day long. Right. And I cannot tell you how many times we talk about domestic violence and then the guy goes but I'm a nice guy. You can ask anyone. I'm a really nice guy. And right, so right, our right. ongoing dialogue at work is if you're a nice guy, you don't have to tell me you're a nice guy. All right. To be pretty obvious. Every mm-hmm. guy I've ever known that said I'm a nice guy was a giant <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. So guys don't ever say that. We don't like it. No. Yeah. It's let, let your actions speak. Yeah. Versus... Show me you're a nice guy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, it it's it's a struggle uh to reconcile some of these some of these songs and it's like mm-hmm. uh, and i behaved uh, uh terribly when i was a teenager because i operated in a very similar way right uh so what sort of do we give songs like this a pass for the the juvenile nature in which mm-hmm. they are written and hope that they grow up or is it just like the sinister nature of purity culture that kind Mm -hmm. of uh gives birth to this level of entitlement that that men Mm -hmm. are are owed women's bodies right well and i think that speaks to the whole idea of like just cancel culture in general right so right um, something's not appropriate anymore for whatever reason that was a-okay in 1997 now it's not um, what do we do with it right. and for me like that question it's so hard because there's like so much stuff is like so nostalgic and you sure. like like it and you remember it but then like my like bar for me is always like is this something I would want my kids to listen to or watch or like other you know if you don't have kids friends or whoever like impressionable people and my answer is no right and you know kids kids aren't dumb and when they're exposed to stuff like there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about that and why why is this wrong or whatever I mean it's better than you can't shelter your kids from everything correct but explaining like 
gee, what do you think is problematic about that? Like, <laughs> why, yeah. why is that maybe not how you should handle it yourself? Right. I mean, we, uh, we've talked about, I think I maybe mentioned to you, maybe I mentioned, I can't remember if I brought up, um, you know, Blink-182. It's just a the quintessential band that the adolescence of their music is just like, oh, it's so fun and nostalgic and poppy and upbeat. But, you know, mm-hmm. then it's like, you know, I need a girl that I can train, you know. It's like, right. um. We were listening to, in the car with the kids the other day, uh, Beastie Boys, like a mix, like on yeah. Spotify. And tell it got to girls, they do the dishes, girls, they do the yeah. laundry. Like, <laughs> girls, <laughs> like, girls to clean up my room. Yeah. Yeah. And we all had a good laugh and we thought it was funny or whatever. And then my husband's always like, you guys know, like, that's not true, right? It's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to the Beastie Boys credit, they, they evolved in, in that area mm-hmm. throughout their <laughs> career. But, um, <laughs> Also, there's another song on the on this record called Yoko about um, girls always trying to bake up, break up the bands. Right. You know, it's just the guys are trying to do their thing and there's always a girl that's going to come in and ruin it for everybody. I love how all of this stuff, like, it basically is like men have no agency whatsoever. <laughs> So yeah. men are simultaneously leaders better than women can control the whole world. But at the same time, if they see your ankle, yeah, they're going to become like insane sex maniacs. Right. And then they can't be responsible for anything they do. It's just a very weird juxtaposition there. Yeah. Well, you know, this, it's also, you know, women can't um, be in the white house because they have their periods, but if Not a man, only. a man, <laughs> If a man sees a boob, you know, it's just all bets are off. But well, yeah, I mean, Mike Pence, Pence can't be in the same room with a woman. It's true. Right? Who knows what can happen? Not without mother. Not without mother. <laughs> <laughs> so freaking creepy. Do yes. not call your spouse mother. Yeah, there's definitely uh, no problematic sexual connotations in that oh no that's super normal i yeah just like i don't know so after i guess my question is after menopause the sense come back or what happens intellectually at that point i don't know so I mean, it's a total change so women who've gone through menopause can now become the president this is right. the age requirement okay right because all the all the blood is no longer flowing to their to their uterus right and it's like, you can go to your brain now you can go to your brain where you can have your where you can have complex thoughts and feelings and you know that makes so much sense yeah thank you for explaining that to me andrew you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) i mean what would what would you do without a big strong man around to explain complicated things like women's bodies yes my lady brain doesn't work very well (laughs) as a punk fan um you know what have you what have you seen or what have your outside of the church have you experienced like this kind of uh stuff in the scene or have you found the punk scene in general to be pretty accepting and welcoming to you know as a young as a young kid growing up 
No, I'd say very accepting and welcoming. Um, it's, it's hard to compare just because I was on board with all of that when I was, you know, 16, sure. 17 or whatever. So right. it, it felt like a good fit for me, but I never felt like one of the cool things about punks, like I've never really felt like there was any kind of stigma against women or anything like that. Like it seems very open mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, one thing I was thinking though, and maybe we'll have to do some research on this, Sure. but anecdotally, I'm thinking of, of the few bands that I know that have women in them or are fronted by women. And I was wondering if they write similar songs about men, like men are evil, men will ruin your life and drag you down. And I'm wondering if it's the same as the way that, you know, men write similar songs like that about women, but I don't know just because I can't really think of anything. (laughs) You know, sure. I'm sure there is, but I don't know. I'm also inclined to believe those songs a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Just with all of the uh, female friends that I I have and all of the nightmare stories I've heard from them, uh, I'm just inclined to be like, oh, right. Yeah, dudes tend to be straight trash um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So uh, not that like dudes can't, be be you know screwed over and jilted and 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 all that but just like mm-hmm. um you know when you're like a 17 or 18 or 19 year old kid writing a pop punk song chances are there wasn't some great injustice that you were experiencing right it was like oh this girl that you liked didn't like you back and now that's your the, the biggest injustice is that she wouldn't go on a date with you all right, Dr. Chad. Yes. I appreciate you. I appreciate um, you. We will talk <clears throat> soon. I'll see you. I'll see you in that Discord. Oh, yeah. And, I'll continue I'll, to I'll probably chop up this. Oh, please. A bit. <laughs> oh, please. I was just going to be like, could you maybe like edit most of that? <laughs> I'm sure there was at least five, 10 minutes of usable content. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Jen, uh, as always, for sharing your thoughts. We appreciate hearing from you. Um, You know, one thing that you guys uh, touched on was one uh, change that they mercifully made between the Don't Stop a Rockin' version and this one, which was ending with this clip of him saying, women can't live with them, can't shoot them, spoken in like a shruggy, ain't I a stinker kind of voice. Um, And if that would have been on the proper album as a kid even i feel like i would have been like what the fuck um there's another part you know where he changes um with one thought you know feeling like a schmuck with one thought in my mind in this version he says she's no good which is kind of fine it's sort of about a particular person and he shouts it and whatever but in the original version he says it in a spoken word kind of like creepy way was like girls suck and it just yeah the whole thing feels very threatening it does and when you couple that with a woman, well, multiple, well, six Asian women being murdered mm-hmm. uh, out of this sort of desperation and yeah. purity culture. And it's like, yeah, this was back in the nineties uh, when we weren't having as as many mass shootings as we are right. and have in the past couple decades 
yeah. not that that's a justification, but like threatening gun violence is never yeah. great, but it's especially a terrible look right now. Yeah. I, I remember that line being in movies like true lies and stuff said kind of winky, but it was always said by like an asshole. <laughs> and in this, right. it's like, are you sure this isn't as like funny as you think it is? I guess. No, it's not. Um, and today it sounds horrible. So anyway, I'm glad that this, most people probably haven't heard that version and I'm glad it's not here. I don't know whether it was them growing up or Bill Stevenson or something being like, guys, you gotta fucking get your act together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, like I was saying at the time, I think I sort of excused it. I had the MXPX girls suck shirt. Yeah. I loved the song GSF. Um, and I felt like I'd been maybe burned by uh, relationships and, you know, maybe God was my constant relationship compared to these fickle girls, as he kind of alludes to here. <laughs> yeah. But we need to teach boys that that's not okay. Like, yes, yes. We, we can't let it slide anymore. And I know this was 25 years ago now, and I'm sure, or I hope that he feels conflicted about having put this message out there. Yes. Um, but whatever year it is, it's not okay. And Yes. especially like we said, you know, we talked about on our crossover episode with Sadie Hawkins pod about that Reliant K book, uh, understanding the complex female mind or whatever the fuck it's called. I don't even want to look up the real name. Um, but how in that book, it was like, there are different types of girls, Christian girls, and you want to be the, the type that like dresses purely and just like, I know they didn't even like have anything to do with that book, but they put themselves out there enough to sign off on it and attach their name to it. And this was not uncommon. And, and you know, you were kind of saying right. before, like, well, like Blink-182 and bands like that. And, you know, obviously like hip hop and whatever there's in rock, there's plenty of misogyny, but like when it gets tied into the purity culture is when it's yes. the most damaging, I think, because it's like saying not like she broke up with me. Um, so she's bad at saying I'm a godly man and godly women will act a certain way. And that includes dressing a certain way. And I'm expected to, you know, it gets back to what we were talking about last episode about just like entitlement. You feel entitled to women and right. a good godly girl should not have a problem with a, a boy feeling entitled to you. So it's just representative of this larger, awful rotting aspect of, of the Christian culture at the time and still for a lot of pockets of the church yes and you know i, I mentioned i i mean we i think we both it, it admitted have admitted as, as i did on um uh my conversation with jen like some of the ways that we cringe about the ways that we related to girls back when we were younger right. you um you know, famously felt convicted about dating a non-Christian girl. You broke right. up with her. And I operated in a very similar way to this sort of like incelly kind of way about being a nice guy and girls not giving me a chance. Like like right. girls owe me a chance. They don't. Right. right. They they literally don't. So um yeah. I, it's I'm getting big incel vibes from this song and it, it bums me out. Yep. Uh we will get back to this theme in a couple of songs. <laughs> we will get, um, we, we'll close, we'll just close the box a little bit. It'll still be taken yeah, open part way. <laughs> um, I would like to hear some of the bridge though, because it's so good. 
right. uh, at about two minutes with the bass and the toms and then the cool guitar comes in it's pretty good so irresistible it's hard for me to turn off the song because i love the way that it sounds so much yeah um but when you when you dive into the depths uh some bummers anyway yeah and and then the final like and so time moves on the feelings come and gone and christ is the one constant i can lean on it just gives this impression that just sort of being like, but he's a godly man. He leans right. on Christ. And so right. it just sort of like glosses, glosses over. Yeah. It's like that slut. Yeah. It's un, he's, he's a godly guy and he's a nice guy. Why don't you like, and so he's, we don't, we don't, this is all one-sided. Song, totally. Yeah. We know? hear from her and she's like, he was smothering. He was a dick. He was, yeah. you know, yeah. He was telling me how to dress. You right. Know? Yeah. It's like, anyway. Anyway. Uh, Phoenix. I like that riff. pretty good uh that opening riff was another one that was always in my head um uh, pretty emo over the top (laughs) maybe even very emo uh it's you know i like the feedbacky bridge i think there's a good build up there it's my my favorite part of the song yeah is this part yeah that feels very emo is yes extremely that 
was rad. This is great. There has, there has to be some Midwest emo influences. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's very in that lane. Yes. Um, so I don't really mind that lyrically it's also kind of emo. It's another one that's like, it's not quite girl or God because clearly it is about God, but it's written like kind of a sensual love song. <laughs> um, you know, he's burning who he was to have, to become a, a new man rise from the ashes. Um, I don't know. I think it's good. It's I'm, not. I've never thought out, of it. But... I've never thought of it sensual at all. I just. No. I don't know. Uh, just the. I just think the phoenix metaphor has been was, very over the top. Like very like yeah we get it, lots of flames, lots of fire, lots of rebirth. You know. Yeah, I think, bind me to you, pierce me straight through, consume me with your fire, ravage my heart. Like I don't know. That feels a little bit like gasping on the breath of i don't know it feels all very like it's kind of like sexy um <laughs> uh, pierce me right through baby um but i yes i mean i think the the phoenix metaphor is the point but it's written in this very sort of like flowery language yes and that's phoenix and that is phoenix um i mostly am here for that yes feedback emo part sounds great um i'm uh, here for this song sucks. Yep. Yoko. Go ahead and crack that box back open. Creek. Um, you know, I I like the song pretty well musically, uh, but fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, again, Yoko just like, Ono has right. bared the brunt. Yes. For fifty years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that she's responsible for breaking up the Beatles and yeah. has become shorthand for a girl getting in the way of the poor delicate minds of men who just like if it worked for this one girl it's like fuck that narrative forever yeah, yeah. um yeah. paul paul and john fought like crazy uh yeah. the band was drifting apart Totally. Um, it's not her fault, so fuck off with that. End it. End <laughs> yeah. it. The 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 myth of Yoko destroying the band is also rooted in toxic masculinity <laughs> and misogyny. 
completely. I, John destroyed the band. I am a huge Beatles fan. John Lennon was not a good or cool person. No, he was not. <laughs> he was a domestic abuser. He cheated on both of his wives uh, repeatedly and regularly. He, and he, he, he admitted this. He came from a very tough background and said that he feels like part of why he's so drawn to peace is because he's, his natural impulse is violence. So whatever. But like this idea that he got involved with this woman who came in and wrecked everything. It's the, it, he brought her into these sessions, whatever. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of casual misogyny using the idea of Yoko as a template for all, again, untrustworthy women is, is all over the song. Um, you know, the song ends with, she'll nag you to death and by inches will suck all the life that you somehow have left. It'll only be nag, 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 nag. <laughs> That's how it ends. Yeah. And just like, Obviously, this guy was young, and I hope he feels differently now, as I said. You know, we've talked about lyrics from these young people that we cover on the show being sort of like stuck in amber forever, and we're, we're analyzing yes. them. But the point remains that it's fucked up that teenagers heard these songs and, yes. and absorbed them, and that we should say that it's wrong. <laughs> well, also that the... When you think about the what he's angry about right <laughs> like a lot of the anger and abuse is at, at women on these right. uh two songs the angriest songs on this record like yeah with the exception of you know misconceptions which i wouldn't even like wouldn't even necessarily call an angry song or like right it's more of like a condemnation of like bad theology maybe but like i mean they both of the songs start off very similarly. Don't trust that girl starts off with, you know, that kind of girl. And then Yoko starts off with, you know, who she is as if everybody knows. We all know. We all know who can relate fellas. Yeah. Um, you know what she does. Right. And only I know what the girl's doing to you. And it's like, you know, you gotta, it's, it's, it's sort of one of those bros before hoes situation. Right. Right. You know, you gotta, you gotta trust your bros, bro, bros, <laughs> girls, no good, bro. She's going to break up the band, bro. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also somewhat going back to something that Jen said, these songs imply that men have zero autonomy, right? You know, yeah. it's that the girls are going to come in. They're right. going to fuck up your lives. It's all it's all the girls fault as if the men have no autonomy in the choices that they make. Right. And it's like, well, um, men must be pretty fucking weak then that right. if they, they they can't make any choices for themselves and um, and women are in control of literally everything. Right. Um, but also it's the language uh, that he uses um you know better be careful with that boy it's like oh he's just so tender he's just right. so you know and but it's all couched in this toxic bullshit yep yeah it uh it sucks i think it's i think it's time to close up the box for now unless you have final thoughts um nope that's it i i want to put these songs in the box and then never open up that that section of the box again. That one was called the box, Food Lion. Um, I struggled because I was ready to put all these songs in yellow. 
I, I, I love this record. Yes. I, I really enjoyed revisiting it. Yes. And it really wasn't until I, I listened through it all the way through for the first time again in preparation for this was like, this is great. Why have I not been keeping this in the regular rotation? And then on my second listen a little more closely, I was like, oh, I remember this. And then I came to the next one. I was like, oh, I remember this. And it just, I couldn't let it go this time through. So I, I want to just put it on and be like, this is great vibes all around, but I feel like we had to get into it. And it, it does yes. bring some of the vibe of this record down for me in my estimation, but yes, it's still a really good time apart from these couple awful times, yeah. um, including uh, both of our number three. Uh, correct. Fortress, Fortress. baby. Ooh. Pick us back up, man. Yeah. Fucking rules. Rules. So rules, good. Rules, rules, rules. Oh man. I'm glad you got to... through too. Oh man. No, this is this is uh I have such a strong association with North Park because mm. my freshman year, I would put this CD in my CD player and I would leave my math class in Carlson Tower. And I would specifically put this song on as my yeah. walking across campus song. That's great. And I would try and time this song <laughs> to get back to my dorm room and land on the couch right <laughs> as like the final, yeah, as, as like the final chord rings out. That's perfect. And oh, I was just like, yeah. So I just have this, like, it just felt like a, it just like get me, got me moving so fast across campus. I'm like, yes, yeah. fucking rules. Yeah, it's it's great. It's always been one of my very favorites from this album. Um, so I could not put it in there. It's an instrumental, um, which is interesting. I wonder if they ever decided, if they ever intended to have lyrics and dropped them, or if this was always something they kind of messed around on. But uh, my band Tiger Jack had a couple of instrumental songs that we would play as part of the sets um, and switch them out. And it would they were very much inspired by the song, I think. Um, so I, I just love the way it repeatedly builds and falls. Um, the bridge has this great buildup. It's very soaring. Um, yeah, it, it just was always one of my favorites. This is another one that was originally on, on Don't Stop a Rockin', um, but uh, really sounds great here. There we go. 
when everything drops out and it's just the nah, 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 nah. Oof. great oh boy so good here um, for it here for it great way to end the record we overlapped on two out of our three and yes. i could very easily swap out <laughs> denise for tonight um <laughs> but yeah i think we're 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 pretty much in agreement on this record and how we are, in a, we are very much in agreement on this record i i i don't know if we have agreed song to song yeah as much as we have on this record yeah uh you know i i, I mean with the exception of don't trust that and yoko which are uh trash and bummers and <laughs> should never be played by anybody um <laughs> you know this this record is is a, an absolute pleasure and yes. banger after banger the theology stuff i don't have any yeah i don't have like any issues with like really we at haven't all. said that in a while no like that's isn't that wild <laughs> yeah like the songs like there's just like even the song something like phoenix i don't have necessarily you know it's it's a very just a very personal song and um you know this sort of like a rebirth song i don't have a, i don't really have a problem with that yeah but no, um so yeah yeah Ace troubleshooter Ace troubleshooter good album good album um very curious to hear people's thoughts on this i want to know how widely known they are and this album is um and if you line up with our thoughts on it I think in particular, this episode, we would like to hear from some women. Yes. <laughs> if you're interested in calling or leaving a voicemail or leaving a voice memo, just kind of sharing your thoughts about some of the stuff we talked about and talked about with Jen, um, about these ideas that were prevalent in the scene and, and maybe how you feel about these songs. Um, yes. But, you know, yeah. John and I, we want to incorporate more women's voices especially when we're talking about issues that directly relate right. with women we can pontificate and and talk about all these stuff these things in theory but if it's if it's about an issue that relates to you as a woman yeah. we would much rather <laughs> hear yes. you and your thoughts on it uh, which is why we wanted to have jen yeah. uh, share some of her thoughts we want to hear yours as well um so uh, please, please send those in. Yeah, as we've said, this this scene we're covering is is dominated by people like us. In that there are a lot of white male cishet uh, folks who were <laughs> uh, strong parts of the scene, but there were a lot of uh, women, obviously, who were in the scene as well. And and we want to, we are trying to be intentional about about broadening that a little bit as we as we move forward. So anyway, all voices are welcome. Uh, in particular, we would love to hear um, from women about this, but let us know what you think overall about this album, about this band at magnified pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter subscribe. If you haven't yet already and give us a rating or a review. And I have a review to read from Apple podcasts mm. from what's that? Is it an interesting review, John? <laughs> it's an interesting review. <laughs> it's uh, from from our buddy Snalapus. Snalapus? <laughs> I think it's like that, right? Uh, subject, potato salad is life. The rest is just details. Uh, magnified pot is truth. The rest is just falsehoods. Penalty box is power. The rest is just whimper. Newest podcast ever. The rest is just never. Five stars. Um, 
thank you, Snellipus. Uh, <laughs> please, please uh, give us your uh, interesting reviews and we will read them on the pod. Uh, you can also email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. You can support us over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. And we want to welcome a couple new folks. Ooh. We got Travis and we got Ryan Rowe. Welcome, Travis and Ryan. Thank you very much for supporting us. Uh, as we said, we will be covering Back in the Shooting Match, uh, Ace's 96 debut on the Patreon this week. Uh, you can also pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll cover Ace Troubleshooters, The Madness of the Crowds. Put it uh, in my body. And then we ascend into the sky. <laughs> like the phoenix, we rise. That's right. <laughs> That's right. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.